Welcome back to Mindwave. This is Jenner. So the release schedule is a little erratic at the moment. Uh, scrambling, getting ready for the 2.0 release, which is going to be February 2nd. So starting February 2nd, there's going to be one episode coming out every single week on Sunday, reliably and on a, on, on schedule. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm getting there. Um, but playing catch-up getting the website all nice and shiny with a bunch of new features, which you should go check out at mindwave.media. Having recording sessions, which have gone fantastic, swimmingly. I look forward to my next one with Jareen Elkins. Uh, as another Humanity First episode. Our first attempt did not work out. We ran into technical issues. Uh with her headset, so I decided to use some of the Patreon, Patreopal funds uh, to invest in a quick and dirty USB mic that I can ship around the country. Uh, Not the world quite yet, but uh, maybe someday. Uh, And I'm going to, you know, get a nice hard case uh, dealio and have a pair of studio headphones that I can chuck in there and just mail this anywhere so that people can come on the show. Um, anyway, ramble. I don't have the bell. I'm sorry. I, I, I know (laughs) there are a lot of people who listen to the show just for the bell and my beautiful voice. And I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, moving on this week's episode, since, uh, I'm not actually releasing any, uh, full episodes until the drop. I might have a couple more little bonusy updates, a couple more stargazer sessions and whatnot. Uh, I'm putting out on, this was on YouTube, uh, but it didn't go out on the main audio show. So I am putting out the audio for a live event that I did with Connor Durding of the Daily Discussion podcast. And it was about religion and it was a fantastic conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it went long. It was a three-hour event. We took Q&A. It was a whole big thing. So I am not going to draw this out because uh, <laughs> we took intermissions. You might need to take some as well. Uh, th- th- this is it's a big one. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoy. Let me know what your thoughts are. Uh, if you liked my opinion, if you hated my opinion, uh, <laughs> let me know. Uh, or we can do, uh, you know... Uh, Epic rap battle style. Who won? Who do you think won? Uh, Let me know. (laughs) At Mindwave Jenner on Twitter. Okay. Enjoy the conversation. We'll talk to you guys soon. Look forward to 2.0, man. It's going to be a trip. Uh, I will. I'll talk to you guys soon. Abrupt ending. <laughs> yeah, I can quite fit the whole thing in there. Uh, and it me nuts. But no worries. Hello, I am Jenner. I am and I am Connor. Yes. 
this is religion, utility, meaning, and metaphor, a live discussion. And we're going to do some Q&A. Uh, I suppose we should take a little bit here to uh, introduce ourselves and our shows. Why don't you kick it off there? Yeah, no. Well, first of all, Jenna, thank you for putting this all together. I know this was kind of like our event, but I feel like I didn't contribute a whole lot other than advertisement. You made a great video. That was brilliant. Oh, uh, so yeah. thank you. I, you. You did most of the heavy lifting, so I appreciate it. So uh, my name is Connor. I'm from The Daily Discussion. It's kind of an impulse that I was compelled to create about six or seven months ago. And, you know, I basically, it was my second attempt at a podcast. And I basically just realized that the fastest path to wisdom, which was what I was craving, is going to be by means of conversation and not just any kind of conversation, but specifically conversation with those who may be in opposition to what I already believe. And, you know, it's kind of taken a mind of its own. Uh, it's become a virtual place where people from all over the spectrum of belief can come and put their two cents in. And ironically enough, I, you know, I've kind of found that I've actually have less staunch positions on things than I did before. And that's because when I first started putting my ideas out there and then welcoming that pushback and contempt, uh, the first thing that happened was like a brick wall. It was like a wave of people coming in and saying, you're wrong about this. You need to rethink this. You're not being very consistent in this area. And they were right. So I had to, you know, go back and re calculate all of my ideas, reformulate all of my ideas from scratch. And so as a result of that, as I said, I've actually taken less staunch positions on most things. Um, but religion is not one of them. It's actually something I've become a little bit more staunch. And now I'm not necessarily speaking from the perspective of somebody who is religious, but I definitely think that there's utility in it, hence the title. And I definitely think that there's a nuanced way to approach religion that's different from the literalist um, perspective. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm glad you guys can all uh, take part in it. Mm, yes, it, it is going to be interesting. We will see where it goes. Uh, for those who haven't caught my show, I'm Jenner. I am Mindwave. Mindwave is just kind of an exploration into uh, everything that I find interesting. So that's a lot of science and culture and uh, philosophy now. Uh, so we're touching on religion today my position i don't know if we wanted to like fully unpack like i didn't prepare like a thesis here or anything yeah but, neither did i but i'd be happy um, to you know do one real quick back and forth yeah yeah yeah. i mean i i can definitely see where where you are coming from seeing the utility I, there are parts that i see uh i'm i'm happy to admit uh it was evolutionarily advantageous Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the large-scale cooperation of humans. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, uh, well, unless you're using fictions, then I guess it's it it turns out to be a, a fairly easy thing to do. My problem is with the fiction part, and I would argue that it lacks modern utility because it's it, in terms of mechanisms for cooperation, it's, it's a bit of a blunt force, you know, it's a bludgeon to, to go at the problem. And there were much better ways of getting people to work together. Um, and Christianity is an excellent example because it didn't, Christianity didn't conquer the world by having some, you know, superior wisdom or moral code. It conquered it at the edge of a sword. So. Mm. Well, you, I, you would, know, I would disagree. I would say that, that um, people, 
conquered in the name of Christianity by the means of a sword. But I think that the reason that Christianity was was so what permeated so much was because it invoked that religious experience that I think people were hungry for. You know, we had kind of lost touch with the Greek culture. We had kind of lost touch with the with the with the East Eastern cultures, and we needed something new to invoke that religious experience. And whether or not you think that religious experience is is necessary in the modern world, we can talk about that. But back then, the primary cognitive output of of the the individual was to look for that experience. And so right. the reason Christianity is unique is because for the most part, I mean, besides, you know, texts like the Bhagavad Gita, religious experience was not invoked through narrative. It was invoked through art and music and meditation and architecture and stuff like that. And I feel that the Christian doctrine was the first to really, no, I don't want to say it was the first because the Bhagavad Gita is a beautiful text, but the, the but the Christian doctrine is much more dense than that. And it was the first narrative that kind of brought all of it together, or at least all of it that I find to have utility. So, um, you know, we, we can, we can unpack all that, but real mm. quick, do you mind if I just give like a brief, um, synopsis of like where I'm coming from and how my opinion on religion transpired. Is that okay? Please. Yeah. Because there's so much nuance in this, which is right. why it needs to be unpacked. I that's, which is why I was even nervous about framing it as a debate right? because people automatically assumes, Oh, it's staunch atheist guy and staunch right, religion right. guy, you know, Ken Ham versus Bill Nye. We're going to hash. We're going to argue about evolution for three hours. It's not right. at all well, what I this is. I'm absolutely. not a typical atheist. You're not a typical believer. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you're in a very interesting spot. So un unpack where you're at. Definitely. And you know, just everyone should know this. Um, I've done debates with other atheists, but you know, we were kind of just acquaintances. Jenner's like my actual friend. Like we're buddies. We talk about this stuff outside of podcasts. So we just decided one day that we were going to do it in a recorded session. So that I think that's worth noting. Um, so I'm going to try to make this as brief as possible. We have uh, three I, hours. Take your we time. Have, we have three hours. Okay. Um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I, I would say that naturally I, I believed in something that was, I don't want to say supernatural. I, be, I believed in divinity from a young age and I, and my exposure to it was limited through the purview of the Christian doctrine. So I started asking my parents really profound questions at a young age and they were heavy questions that no parent would ever be able to answer. So my parents decided to take me to church. You know, the pastors and stuff were able to answer my question a little bit better. And, and I felt, you know, satisfied with some of the answers they gave me as I got older, became an atheist, was introduced to science. I started hanging out with, um, you know, people who were, I would consider themselves intellectuals. Um, they were atheists. And I was captivated by that perspective. And, you know, as I got older, I started to delve into spirituality without religion. And that was good for me. I got into things like, you know, the esoteric, the occult, um, uh, studying all sorts of theologians. And, and, you know, one other thing I want to say, too, people sometimes accuse me, especially when I'm talking about religion, people accuse me of being a Jordan Peterson parrot. And what I always say to that is you just need to talk to the people who knew me six years ago because I've been espousing ideas that are religious for a long time. And I would say that actually the only difference between me pre-Peterson and post-Peterson is that I no longer look at Christianity 
as just a tool for control. Now, it has been used as a tool for control. There's no doubt about that. But one thing that I always am super careful to differentiate is what a doctrine actually espouses and what people do in the name of that doctrine. So like, for example, uh, this is the example I always jump to, the catcher in the rye was in, um, the guy who killed John Lennon was inspired and justified to do so by what was encapsulated in the catcher in the rye. He did that in the name of the catcher in the rye, but that doesn't mean the catcher in the rye espouses that you should go kill pop stars. It, it, nothing of the kind. People are really good at taking information, isolating parts that they like, extracting them out, and then weaving them together to formulate the narrative that they already want to believe in. So, um, one thing that I will do, and this is, you know, it's very Peterson-esque, but once again, been espousing these things for a long time. I've been studying Carl Jung since before the Peterson era was amongst us. One, one thing I just want to make very clear is I always try to approach religious arguments from a utilitarian aspect and from a from a biological aspect. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to not sound like a new age woo-woo woke mm -hmm. hippie is basically what I'm saying. So that's just I wanted to just kind of lay that preface out before we continue. I dig it. I dig it. And I do have a pushback. And because you mentioned the Bhagavad Gita. Now, I, I'm not super read up on the Bhagavad Gita, but to my knowledge, it doesn't have any kind of doctrine of holy war. If you look at um, the Quran and the Hadith, they very explicitly do, but so does mm -hmm. the Old Testament. Yeah, the Bhagavad Gita um, has war in it. It's just that's not the, a go to the next village and burn it to the ground because your God is better kind of holy war that you find. I, I wouldn't say that that's found in Christianity either. But what I, what I do see a lot in texts like the Bhagavad Gita is it's like war, but it's 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 like how war is supposed to look like in a fictional story. It's abstracted and then dramatized like the God comes from this, you know, it comes to the earth from the stars and uses the 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 redwoods as arrows to shoot i mean it's just like right. very symbolic ideas mm -hmm. of war but it's not like yeah it's not like you know you have to believe in this or we have the justification to kill you which i don't necessarily think is founded in, in the christian doctrine ever but we can talk well, about that I, I i didn't have book and verse pulled up but i mean even even the the teaching love thy neighbor really only applies to your literal neighbors there are other areas of the bible that teach you explicitly go over to the next village kill every man woman and child except for the untouched girls which you shall take as your wives i mean there's plenty of those types of verses that get largely ignored well uh, for good yeah. reason by modern christians but i mean it's there that the the teachings are there whether or not modern christians choose to embrace them as much as they embrace other ones like uh, you know, condemning homosexuality. Well, that's that's you know, more in right, right. style, more in vogue right. than say the the uh, teachings on adultery, which most right. Christians, most modern are very loosey goosey, relaxy with. So it's and one thing you're gonna uh, you're gonna hear me say a few times throughout this conversation is is I'm gonna differentiate what th the doctrine is espousing versus what an observation of the world that they're making. So. Usually when people postulate the idea that Christianity um, justifies you going to kill your neighbor because they don't believe in a certain God, if you actually look at the context of the text, it's not saying that you should do that. It's making observations of people that have done that. 
more than likely fictional people, but still it's also very likely that somebody throughout history did that because, you know, given enough time, humanist interest, there's bound to be events like that taking place. So, right. Right. I love that. My dog is making a guest appearance right now. Live my show. cat, my cat oh, might um, make a, yeah, my cat might just pop on this little table right here. She does that sometimes. So we'll see what happens. Well, before we dig too much deeper, we do have some people uh, showing up and commenting, uh, which is uh, fucking great. So, uh, Billy Carpenter, yo, we wish you were here too. I don't know, is is that that's somebody from your fan base, I assume. Yeah, no, BJ, uh, BJ Carpenter. Oh, okay, that's BJ. He's been on the daily discussion a few times. We've had talks on the Hermetic principles. We've had talks on religion. We've had talks on um, uh, psychedelics and just general interesting things. So BJ's an awesome guy. He's a good friend of mine too. Well, thanks for joining us, BJ. Appreciate it um i guess we can we should start getting through these now uh why not and keep it super wide and open josh freeman asks why did so many flock to christianity and abandon their previous gods um i would argue that it has to do with the doctrine of holy war there's this whole chosen people kind of element to it like you're you know you're god's chosen people this land is here for you go and and take from it i i think it's that element of the doctrine and it kind of mm -hmm. gave them permission to be barbaric assholes what, what do you mm -hmm. think um i don't think that those dudes were any more bar of barbaric assholes than anybody in that epoch or anybody who comes before the epoch that we currently live in but Right. Um, the cultural the, the, zeitgeist thing right exactly so the reason i would say that it was so it's it's kind of like this the idea that you can make a pact with something in exchange for something of greater value tomorrow is a really powerful idea that's been instantiated in the minds of our ancestors for thousands of years. So let's say your nation is in ruins, right? You just, you're, you're maybe at the tail end of a war. You, you're at the tail end of a, uh, what we would call an economic break, you know, maybe being unable to feed your people. And then, so you start trying things, right? You start saying, well, uh, we will s sacrifice these goats and, you know, we'll see if, and if, and if something good happens, we'll know that you really listen to us or we'll pray to these gods and well, some, some kind of synchronicity takes place. Hey, I prayed for this God last night and now all of a sudden the drought is over because it's raining. Well, we have no choice now, but to give our allegiance to this God. It's just the way that the the more primitive, primitive minded man perceived the world. Oh yeah, and and I think Sam Harris dead on when he refers to religions as failed sciences. I mean, that's essentially what they are. They were they were ways of trying to understand the world when you know the you, all you have is the best information that's available to you. So when you Every don't know anything yeah. about electricity, lightning seems like this like freakishly unnatural godly thing that's coming from the sky and you don't know why so you invent a character oh that's thor he's hurling his whatever you know what i mean so we we come up yeah. with narratives and stories to explain the unexplainable but with much of everything these days that the, the list of things that aren't explainable is getting shorter and shorter and this is another, this is a, a point that Neil deGrasse Tyson makes. If, if that's where you want to invoke your God is in, in this God of the gaps kind of framework where it's just the unexplained 
that's what you're going to call God. That's an ever shrinking so, pocket of scientific right. ignorance. That's going right. to just. So I'm going to drop, a, drop a little, I'm going to drop a little bomb here. Every science that's ever constructed or that ever will be, will eventually be a failed science. And that is absolutely irrefutably true. I mean, I mean because it's, it, there are some things that we will just get a better understanding. We, a hydrogen well, atom will always be a hydrogen atom. Will always be a hydrogen atom. Will we understand quarks better someday? Sure, but it's always going to be a hydrogen atom. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, I I do know what you mean, and I I I could think of a few ways to be in opposition with that statement. Uh, but it would just be really hard to articulate. But I do think that that. As we proceed, you you kind of said that what we don't know becomes shorter. I, I kind of disagree because if you look at Albert Einstein's theory of knowledge, you know, you have the circle right here and everything right. in that circle is everything you know. And then there's another circle outside of that. And everything in that outer layer is everything you don't know. Or, or I'm sorry, it's everything you know you don't know. So like in the circle, I know what a light bulb is out of the circle. I don't know how a light bulb works. But outside of that circle is everything you just can never know. And it seems as though every time we solve a mystery, that what that yeah. list of things that we don't know actually increases because it every every answer that we find creates a subset of ten more questions. So I actually think that yeah, no, well we yeah, yeah well we know, we definitely <laughs> but we definitely know more than our ancestors. But at the same time, now we know we don't know more than our ancestors. If that makes sense. It's, uh, it's, I, the exact phrase is slipping my mind, but it's with the circumference of our knowledge as it increases. So does the perimeter of our ignorance or some, something along the, those lines, which I think is true to an extent. Um, but within say within chemistry, chemistry is a good example. It started as alchemy, which was nonsense. There was some inklings of insight into, you know, how yeah, materials work. It someday, only got more complicated and more complex. Everything has to fit. It's a nested thing, kind of the nesting dolls thing. It has to fit. I like mean, if we agree that alchemy is chemistry in its nascent form, then by calling alchemy ridiculous, you're also calling Sir Isaac Newton ridiculous because he was a father of what we now, he laid the groundwork well, it, for things that we actually do. So by calling anything that is a nascent form of something we use in the modern world nonsense, you're basically undermining the process that led us to, to have that. I, I would push back on that only because I don't, like that's the best information that Isaac Newton had available to him. He was well, also, also under the impression that the Bible was divine, and he spent a great deal of his intellectual bandwidth uh, looking into biblical numerology and trying to determine the date for the end of the world. So it that's that has more to do with the setting. I wouldn't. I don't. I, don't, I love Newton. But, I don't judge him for yeah. holding those particularly wacky beliefs. Right. But they are wacky beliefs. Alchemy by today's standards is a wacky belief, just like astrology is. Yeah, but everything that they postulated turned out to be true. Every single thing that the, the idea that you could turn lead into gold, that's you can, you can do that. Not with runes and incantations or whatever. Well, okay, let me ask you this. 
let's say you're a primitive human with no science. And so, but all of a sudden you come up with this idea that things are made of things. Things are made of substances and these substances are different and can be placed in different categories. And then you also figure out that by mixing some of these substances together, you can you can make things happen, which the alchemist did. I know Ethan wants to say that alchemy wasn't a prerequisite, but it actually actually was. Without alchemy, we would not have chemistry in the modern world. That's a fact. Some dream, mm. some dreamer, some dreamer had to come up with the idea that not only are there substances, but that some substances are different, and that if you mix some substances together, they cause reactions. Now, what's the first thing you would do if you were the first person to ever come up with that idea? I'll tell you what the first thing you would do is. You would go take some grass and mix it with mud and, and mix it in a bowl to see what would happen, and nothing would happen, but then you would have to try things over and over, and then eventually you might find some boron and some salt and some and some something else and you mix them together and all of a sudden bubbles are coming out well boom now you have chemistry and it was all because one guy one alchemist thought i think i can make some some shit happen by mixing things together yeah no i i have given you that before we've had this we've had bits of this discussion before and i've i have granted you that I, I mean, same thing, same with thing with astrology too. I mean, somebody had to be interested enough in what the stars are doing for astronomy to ever become an actual science. I mean, well, if, okay, if <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Uh, dung beetles, dung beetles pay enough attention to the stars to that's how they navigate. They navigate by tracking the Milky Way. So having eyes and looking up and noticing, I don't think that's like we can call that just looking up and noticing the the mm -hmm. teachings of astrology are drawing correlations between this means this, this means that if this rises over here and it's taken from a very basic thing, that's just based off of the axial tilt of the earth connected to the seasons. Oh, this, when the sun is this high in the sky, the harvest will come, you know, it's very much all these Neolithic sites across the earth. They're all very basic primitive sun tracking things they're all paying attention to the same thing yeah primitive we, but all we can call yeah. that we can call that i am and i believe this is an exact quote of myself from the last the last conversation that we had on this i'm willing to call that primitive astronomy i'm not willing to call it astrology i mean it's the i same feel like thing. astrology we're, 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 that's a fictional what people have done with astrology, which astrology is certainly the science that came before astronomy, is a bastardization, which is the same bastardization that people have done with Christianity and using it to justify their horrible crimes. So one thing, you know, just to say that Ethan said, Ethan said um, that alchemy didn't do what it was set out to do, and but um, but Sir Isaac Newton did. Actually, the alchemists, what they said could happen was right, that you could turn lead into gold. But like to take that a step deeper, that really wasn't the ultimate conclusion that alchemists came to. The, the ultimate conclusion that alchemists came to was that everything is substance. And even if you don't play a hand in mixing those substances, they already mix. So like, for example, when you eat, eating is a form of alchemy because you, your body can literally transmute the substances that you put in into something else. And so they took that metaphor a step further by saying, well, you could also change your mind about things in real time. Like you can have something bad happen to you. This is what the Jews were so smart about. They figured out that 
when something bad happens, it wasn't helpful to blame anything other than themselves. That's that's a form of like mental alchemy that the alchemists were talking about is that you can literally change the way that you perceive the world. And that's what like Alan Watts talks about when he talks about enlightenment. Enlightenment doesn't change your life. It just changes the way you look at things. It changes your perspective. And that's what the alchemists set out to do. So I know we're getting a little philosophical we, and metaphysical, but <laughs> we are, we're getting caught up on alchemy, which is, which is one that I'm not, it's not even an area that I have a whole lot of, I consider it a pseudoscience. So I don't, I like knowing enough about them to, to dispute them, but I did, you know, it's, the, it's, it's one of those things. Our ancient ancestors used a different set of cognitive outputs than we did. We are very much unequivocally leaning towards um, towards empiricism and, and logic, which is great. I mean, look what logic and empiricism has done. It's built the foundation for our medical industry. It's built us better ways of transportation and better ways of communication. It's, I mean, it's excellent. But what are we lacking in the modern world? Well, we're we're definitely lacking meaning, and we're definitely seeing all time high of mental dis of mental disease. So I think the reason why that is is because we've actually repressed something that our ancestors predicated their entire psyches around, which was the abstract, the abstract extrapolation of behavior from nature and abstracting that into art, like narrative. I actually believe that we need an overarching narrative to, to guide us because, and I've said this before in our podcast, but like, if I, if I tell you that stealing is wrong, it's like, okay, cool. What, why, you know, what, what's the point? But if I show you a drama, where somebody steals and gets their hands cut off, which by the way, is also an observation of the world, it's gonna be much more compelling for you. And I think that narrative is the best way to harp on the philosophies that guide us, that make us better human beings, that make us better individuals. Mm. Wouldn't wouldn't a better narrative be like, how would you feel if somebody stole from you? Why do we have to invoke dismemberment and gruesome violence to, to, to teach these That's not stories. because, why, why, I mean, the answer lies in human history. It's why do people, why is human history a series of catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe? There's no nice periods of history except for right now. That's like the only time where things have been like generally good. So mm. wh why do you try to get people to do things in any way? I mean, the you, 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 you try to convince people to live a certain way with whatever works. Otherwise, you have war. Otherwise, you have um, violence. Otherwise, you have famine. I mean, you you, you gotta fit. Can, you gotta figure out some way to get people to act accordingly. And if and if that and and you know the psychological literature is pretty clear that people will avoid pain more than they try to gain pleasure. So if I put you in a room where you know, and I tell you to go to the other side where the strawberries are. You know, you might be like, oh, I'm not really hungry. I don't, so strawberries don't really sound good. But then if I release a dog from the other side of the room that's going to attack you, you're going to run towards those strawberries and try to fucking use the bowl to hit the dog or something. Right. But just just because it's it's more effective, does that mean that it's better? Because what you're really arguing for is 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 coercion. It's not. It's not. You know, it that's indoctrination by intimidation it's it's the it's uh i well, don't I'm know not, this, I'm this not is saying, always i'm not saying the that problem we need... that i've had with religion yeah. it's, that it's coercive it's 
you know, don't do this because something horrible will happen to you as opposed to just don't do it because it's wrong, you know, don't do it because, you know, think about how, uh, you know, you would feel. And, and thank you, please, Connor, feel free to pick up on the comments because I'm not good at that. Well, you know, Jeff, Jeff, said something that I completely, in. Jeff said something that I completely agree with. He said, meaning doesn't have to come from ideologies. You know, I'm going to ignore the rest of the parks. I don't, I don't care about it. But he said, meaning doesn't have to come from ideology. You know what? That might be true. But meaning has to come from somewhere. And that's the problem that I have with atheism is that atheists say, no, we don't need any meaning. We can just find meaning on our own. And it's like, look at human history. That doesn't that's, work. You, that's a bit of a straw man. That's a bit there's of a nothing, straw man. There's, atheism makes great critiques. But beyond that door, there's nothing there. It, 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 there's because, nothing there. that Because atheism isn't a teaching. It's not a doctrine. It's a lack of one. And I'm that's, saying that's that not that, to I'm, say... I mean, there's no instantiated with within the ideas of atheism. There's no instantiated, you know, doctrine or moral code around, you know, like or anything like that other than just basic humanist liberal values. But most of the, you know, profound cosmically spiritual experiences, like because atheists do have them, they're just related to the actual universe that we live in. So right. I, I've made this connection with you know, like the cosmos itself, knowing you have a hand is a lot different than knowing that the molecules in your hand came from a star that exploded billions right. of years ago. There's something profoundly spiritual about that. And it doesn't require any fictional framing in some kind of barbaric medieval blood ritual that's supposed to teach you, you know, about friendship. I don't, it's it's right. too. I agree. Well, you know, <laughs> we we can disagree I'm being, about that. I'm being snarky, so, but no, it's okay. Randy said, <laughs> "As the world becomes less religious, violence, hunger, war, and poverty have all decreased." That's a correlation causation that has nothing to do with each other. The reason that war has decreased is because we have nukes now, and nobody wants to go there. It's once again harping on my idea that people will avoid pain more than they try to gain pleasure. People know that we don't want to go there with the nukes even the crazy countries who, who are power hungry, they don't even want to go there. Um, as far as poverty and, and, um, and hunger. Yeah. We, you it's know, we figured basic out we, standard of living thing. We figured know. out how to cheat the food game. I mean, it's just, that has nothing to do with, with, you know, but I will tell you what we, what is at an all time high as we become less religious is, is drug use um, and, and, and mental disorder mental, and depression and anxiety. And I think that that's because, science is so great at answering the the how and it's so great at being practically useful and having eff efficacy and reducing suffering what it doesn't do is it doesn't show you how to be an individual how to be a responsible member in your community and how to exist properly in the world if there's a proper way to exist in the world and and I will I will grant that it was never within its purview to do that, just like it was never within math's purview to do that. Um, it's you know science; these are the tools that we use to understand that the, the world that we live in. So it's it would be an unfair expectation to to expect that science could give the why answers. Um, but for so first, long in, in the religion. first place. Right. It, it it has provided why answers, but I think you know the internal atheist in me isn't saying yes, but well, it's I, providing yeah. fictional answers, however useful they are, they're fictional answers, and they're within contention with each other. 
No, they all, not, I don't, they I don't all say that. that they're the, the one cosmic truth. They all disagree. And they're all clashing. This what, is the what, religion, what religion other than Christianity says it's the one cosmic truth? I mean, besides, besides Christianity and Islam. Because Buddhism doesn't say that. Jews will let you, Jews believe that as long as you worship one God, you don't even need to be a Jew. You still you, you get the pass. I mean, I'm not saying that that's objectively true or anything. Mm. Hinduism pretty open to other ideas too. I mean, Buddhism came out of Hinduism. It, I mean, any any conversation that we are going to have on religion is ultimately just going to be a bit about the big two. I mean, mm -hmm. in the world that we live in, they're the only two that are really kind of relevant. Right. Well, Hinduism is still the big, is still the top, is still the second most, the largest religion in the world, I believe, up there. I'm not 100%. And there are, there's tons uh, within the caste system and in terms of human rights and, and all of that, the morality, things to dig into there. I'm not as well read on, you know, like Hindu theology or any of that. Well, you know, I want to. How it I wanna, dynamics. I want to say th something in response to Ethan's comment, and I'll put it up here for us to look at. Um, I, I like Ethan a lot, by the way. He's been on my show. We've had a discussion. We talk sometimes. He's he's a good guy. Um, but as far as Epicureanism goes, once again, the reason why it fails is because it's predicated on the idea that people will chase pleasure more than they'll try to avoid pain. And so, I actually think that that's the symbolic utility of an idea like heaven and hell, because I actually don't believe um, heaven and hell are objectively real, at least in the way they're presented in the Bible. But I do think that having an idea of what hell would look like in your life is a great motivation to run away from it. And what ultimately happens as a result of that is you run towards something that's, a, you know, akin to a heaven on earth. So a, a lot of these ideas like, like demons and angels and heaven and hell and um, stoicism, I agree with Ethan, but a lot of these ideas like, um, heaven, hell, demons, uh, angels, they're archetypes of our own personality. You know, Jung once said that, um, and I don't know if you're a psychoanalytic think thinker, but I'm inclined to believe that the sum of our being is made up of the impulses that are encapsulated inside of us. So, you know, the part of you that wants to eat all the time, the part of you that wants to work on creative endeavors all the time. They're all like alive entities inside of you and they are all struggling for dominance in some sense. And I believe that um, sometimes those representations, sometimes those beings, those personalities can present themselves in um, as physical manifestations. You know, there's people who actually can have dreams and they can ask the characters in their dreams what they represent metaphorically and their characters in their dream will tell them. So. There, there's certainly an aspect of this that's ingrained in our psyche. These proto-myths have been culturally reinforced for thousands of years, and that's why they resonate with us, and we don't even know why. Like, And, you know, most fictions are like that. When you go watch a movie like Star Wars, a ridiculous movie that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but for some reason it's we have no problem with it when we're watching it. It's because it touches on things that – are echoes of things that were culturally reinforced for thousands and thousands of years. Right, right, right. No, and and before I I lose my space too much because I do. Okay, bye, BJ. He's he's got to run. Thank you for stopping in. Hey, thank you for your, Randy. I, Randy, your I didn't say demons were real. I said that they were representations of our own psyche. I didn't say they were actually real. So I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs>
Hey, you um, know, I think we all have a little Jedi in our heart. Am I wrong or am I right? I don't know. I'm a little. I'm a little more of a Sith. Hey, uh, whatever. <laughs> so no, this this is a good point because you've you've said this to me before that you know in terms of providing the moral framework for your life, you you've said that you live as though you were being watched and in and going to be judged and and mm. living your life whether or not it's true living your life in that way and this was a note that i've i've had for months that i wanted to something bounce off of you and it it's that i it's that you're right you are being watched and you are being judged but it's it's you you are the watcher you are the judge I, you're the I, arbiter of your own moral code in the world if, yeah if, well there's an ancient I, there's an ancient idea that your eyes are the eyes of your father mm. so it's kind of like you after you die your kids get to be the ones to experience the world for you basically it's it's a really old idea and you know god i once again this is going to be the moment where I sound like Jordan Peterson, but you know, I've been talking about this stuff for a long time. So, you know, it's whatever people can say what they want, but we arrange ourselves in a hierarchy, right? And we have, a th we have this crazy chemical called serotonin. And one of the things that serotonin does is it tracks where you are in the hierarchy. So it's, it's judging you. I mean, if you people at the top don't have as much negative emotion as people at the bottom, why is that? Well, why, why would your serotonin need to invoke negative emotion in you if you have everything at your disposal? If you have all the resources, all the women, everything you could ever ask for, and you're at the, you're at the pinnacle, why would you need to have negative emotion? You, you, you wouldn't. But if you're at the bottom and, and you experience negative emotion all the time, that's a hint from your being, or you could say, I guess, a hint from your serotonin that you're mm -hmm. not living up to your potential. And so I don't necessarily believe that the judge is the self. I think the judge is the extrapolation of behaviors across time because, you know, you, you didn't just emulate your parents, you know, or, or whoever was around when you were a kid. They emulated their parents and their parents emulated their parents. And so we have these values that are multi-generational that we are still the echo of. And I think that's that's where the judge comes in. It's not actually ourselves. It's 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 the the individual across time. That is the judge. So how, because we've, we've gotten into this a little bit with sin too, and in, in how we define sin, right? Do you, would you define that as a personal failure or a failure of multi-generations of cultural expectation that have been dictated, you know, down from the epochs or whatever? Sin is an archery term from India that means right. to, to miss the mark. So I actually think sin should be something that could, that as long as you're learning from should be celebrated because, you know, like I said, when I started the daily discussion, I got a lot of pushback, which means that the things that I was saying were missing the mark. But because I missed that mark, it opened up the doorway for other people to tell me how I could stop missing the mark. And, and so it's kind of like the idea of the fool being the precursor to the master. I think that in order to propagate as an individual, you have to make a series of mistakes. And I think some of those mistakes have to be detrimental mistakes. Yeah. It's a, it's all within, within the lines of self-actualization, which, I mean, this, this is the classic human struggle for, <laughs> for, you know, 
being alive on the planet, it, my argument has always been, and I m imagine will always be that there's no need to put that, to package that in within, within this, this baggage, this cultural baggage, these fictional boxes that we, you know, the, all the stories that we, it would be one thing if if we were treating it like Shakespeare, okay? But that's we're not. I am. We I don't. Am. Well, yes, you are. You are. You're not waging war. You're right. not. You no, know, you're not condemning people on the street with a sign that says "God hits fags." We're, and this is why a conversation with you is actually possible. Uh, you, you are the exception, not the rule. <laughs> uh, very much there. So. My problem, my problem is trying to force it into a religious framework today is more like you lose anything that you gain from it being evolutionarily advantageous, anything that you gain from it have having worked so well at what it's done so far, you lose in the downside. If if we're putting scales there, I'm saying that the negatives far outweigh the positives in terms of social cohesion, especially now, since we're so globalized, we live on a planet with how many, <laughs> how many other religion, how many competing belief systems that are all, you know, competing for that number one spot. I agree. I'm, I'm and I don't think we have comments, but yes, I don't know. I, you know, I actually think you bring up a great point, Jenner. That's, that's so right. Because there are an infinite variation of ideas that are all competing for each other for dominance. And to be honest, Jenner, I don't think it matters which one we choose, but I think we have to choose one. And I don't necessarily think it needs to be one that encapsulates the belief in a God. I just think that we need a story or a narrative or a philosophy or an ethic or a moral or an idea that permeates throughout the nation that we can all agree on. And I think it has to be Ethanism. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But no, but seriously, I think that and that's I, once it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think, you know, cause this is, a, I'm tempted to like get into the creation, intelligent design versus random material process argument. But I, I just feel like maybe we should save it for after the we'll intervention. We'll save that for part. Yeah. We'll okay. Save that okay. For, okay, that, okay. That's a big one. That's a big one for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, it, and this, this is a recurring theme in, in the questions that I was able to collect. This is a, an, another kind of recurring theme is like, okay, well, what are we going to replace it with? We need it to be something. And my argument is that we shouldn't really need to, but if we need to, for the sake of larger social cohesion, my only request is that it not be based on something fictional. It just be a, 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 objectivity is really the source of all yeah, the but conflict. That, it's because it's not, you don't agree. It's not as compelling. It, and and so like, you know, 10% of the population has an IQ of under 80. So like, you know, how do you teach those people how to be? You know, it's, I, I'm not, and I'm not denigrating anybody for being low intelligence. I really mean that. But I mean, this, I go back to cosmology. A five-year-old can look up at the stars and you could say, this five-year-old say, look, mommy, it's a star. And the mommy can say, Yes, once upon a time, a long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was a star just like the sun, and it exploded. And it scattered all of its rich guts across the galaxy, which formed a new star with new planets. It formed the ground you're standing on. It formed you. 
a five-year-old can understand that. And it's true. It's not how, fictional. Yeah, but how is that going to teach you to not swipe someone's iPod when you see it in, in a place where you know you could grab it and no one would know it was you? I mean, or, or, or how are you going to... And, that, you know, that's not even so complex. Like, how are you going to teach people morality in general? I mean, you, I'm not saying... And I'm not I mean, even saying that... It, Golden rule is golden for a reason, and it predates Christianity by centuries, one would assume. And it's just, how do you want to be treated? You don't take somebody's iPod because you wouldn't want somebody to take your iPod. I think that if we're going to live by anything, it's, it's, don't, it's not don't take the iPod because somebody will cut off your hand, and that's scary. It's don't take it because it's the wrong thing to do. You wouldn't want somebody to take your iPod. You know exactly. I mean? Well, well, this this he's Josh Freeman is so right here. By the way, there's no scientific objective reason not to put people in the gas chamber, but there is a philosophical reason. That's why I don't think science is the end all be all. That's why I think nations need a philosophy to predicate themselves around, and it can't just be a one sentence philosophy. It's got to be like, it's got to be like a like a codified set of ideas. And I just think that those ideas are better absorbed through the lens of a narrative or, or, or yeah. I mean, I'll, I just, I'll give I just you a scientific objective reason not to put people in gas chambers and you can describe it biochemically. You can describe it physically. You can say the, the subject will experience, you, you know, X, Y, and Z effects, you know, that they're, why they're, should you care? Why should you care? Because you're another human who also has those systems. You also have stress hormones. You also have nerves. You also have. Yeah, but why then? Then why is that person's life valuable? Why is your own life? Why do you consider your own life valuable? Remember this: nothing is self-evident to the skeptic. Nothing. You can't just say it's because it's self-evident. Why do we value ourselves? Well, I mean. Oh, some of us don't. We call those people sociopaths. I mean, really, some of us don't value our own lives in the lives of others. We call those people sociopaths. That's true. That's true. And 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 you, you know, know Ethan, if if you're it, describing the physical in this example, this hyperbolic example of the gas chambers, which I will I will run with, you can describe in horrible physical gruesome detail what will happen physically what the person will feel and if that is not if that doesn't evoke the same emotional response as i i i mean you can use sam harris goes into this in the moral landscape you can use baseline states and say one is objectively better than the other you know if yeah but those if aren't that's using that's a science as a as a as a, as a not a, a, a moral code, but as a baseline guide to say, okay, what one of these things is clearly objectively better. It is a, objectively better for the human. If our conversation is about the human, it's objectively better not to put them in the gas chamber, no matter right, who but, they are. Right. But what I would argue is that why do we even care about, about humans at all? I mean, why, why assume that our lives have, have intrinsic value, you know, like, you know, and those, those, you know, pain isn't necessarily objective. Pain is, actually quite very subjective it's 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 very relative so sure. you know it I, I i i wouldn't say that you can scientifically objectively quantify pain um although some have oh, tried no. yeah yeah that's that's 
that's trying to quantify subjective experience, which, you know, you're going off of self-reporting. It's unreliable. But if you're saying, okay, you cut somebody's fucking arm off because they stole something. I mean, that's pretty objectively. They're going to lose the arm. This is going to happen. Your tissue necrosis, you know, this is going to be I'd, I'd not hype well, not, not, nothing. nothing is self-evident to the skeptic. You know, the skeptic doesn't just take anything for self-evident. So I, I would just say that the reason that we feel that human beings hold value, or at least that other human beings hold value, is an echo of religious ideas and not just Christian ideas. Because let's remember, Christian ideas are influenced by other religions that predate it, like Hinduism and Buddhism, and, and then also have their own nuance as well and so but i do think that the reason why you value my life and i value your life is an echo of the cultural reinforcement of morality that comes from the christian doctrine or the judeo-christian doctrine i don't feel that or think that at all well you don't have to feel it because your ancestors felt it for you they reinforced the idea for so long that now it you know, like eventually, like if something becomes so useful, your brain will take away the option, right? So, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say snake fear is innate, but it's easier to train people to be afraid of snakes than it is to train kids to be afraid of a picture of a gun. So that's because snakes were, were, were a, a primary threat for so long that your brain took away the opportunity of you getting to choose whether you want to be afraid of snakes or not. It is built into you. And, okay, and so, so it, <laughs> if you want to argue, if you want to, if you want to argue that evolutionarily, the reason that I don't want to kill you is because my biochemistry is telling me to like you because of this exchange that we're having. Well, that might be a little far, but, um, but, but, uh, some, but some derivative of that. I, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that the human impulse towards violence, I, 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 there certainly are aspects of that. I think that it's slowly leaving the gene pool uh, over the course of you know the past few centuries. Humans are becoming less violent. I don't think that that is entirely cultural. I think that there's probably a good amount of genetics playing itself out there in terms of um, you know natural s- selection kind of continuing to work, weeding out the. Uh, dangerous parts of the population. I don't know ex- exactly where I was going with this because I started a scotch, which was a bad. Well, no, that's okay. Um, you know, but- Ethan was. I, I don't even want to respond. <laughs> I don't. I like Ethan is just spewing uh, his projection of religious people of equating them to sociopathic. I, I I think that's pretty clearly not self-evident because Ethan, you and I have had a conversation, and you know that I'm not a sociopath, and I know that you're not a sociopath, and I don't think socio pathism has anything other than to do with um, environment and genetics. So I don't think that, I think that's a correlation causation error uh, just to yeah, uh, put that uh, out there. Uh, I, I think you, you might be making a, a similar correlation error in, in that it was that we can point to Christianity culturally being reinforced throughout the It's not just Christianity, it's those being, ideas. Well, if we want to lump it all into one idea and call it Christianity, I think that's kind of arbitrary. But the fact of the matter is, is that our founding fathers predicated 
the ideas that we built this nation on, on ideas that were found in the Judeo-Christian doctrine. And then what happened is people reinforced them. So like, really though, look at human history. So much rape, so much theft, so much murder. I mean, more murder and rape than you could ever imagine, like in juxtaposed to the modern world. And and as, you know, we became, we, we adhered to the Judeo-Christian doctrine, which eventually led to the enlightenment uh, ideal ideals throughout that entire sequence rape murder and theft have gone down drastically so we have to assume that our morality comes from somewhere and enlightenment is just not old enough to be used as a marker of when these things started to decrease it starts with wow. christianity and, and then that's be, and that's because the judeo-christian doctrine espouses responsibility and integrity and and like you said loving your neighbor yeah, it's got some other things in there that are pretty harsh, but I think the world is harsh. And so I think if we're going to, if, if our ancient ancestors were going to construct a book that was an accurate representation. I'm here. Oh, you got cut up. Yeah, you froze. Did we just have a blackout? You just froze for a second. Oh, that's okay. But um, yeah, I mean... I, I, I think now's a good. You want to take a quick intermission? Intermission. I kind of got to pee real quick. Yeah, we are. We are gonna do that before I fucking lose it. And I think I already lost it. Go ahead. No, I no. Think, I, I, I'm <laughs> I'm sending it back to you right now. Can you feel it? No, oh, this kidding. You're an atheist. You you can't feel it. Just kidding. I'm kidding. Damn it! I had something. It was so good too. And with that, kids, we are gonna take a quick uh, break. Quick oh, I misrepresented we'll Ethan a little bit, it looks like. That's okay. <laughs> Shit, it was something really good, too. Uh, it'll come It'll come back cultural, to you after the intermission. Reinforcement, yep. All right. All right. I've been will... having fun. I'm having fun so far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's great. It's fantastic. We hey, thank be... you, everybody who's engaging in the comments. I, you know, Jeff, For you know, real. I like, I like you, Jeff. I like you, Ethan. I don't know you, Josh, but I like you. Um, and everybody else, thanks for engaging. Yeah, we will be back in five. So if you got a potty or grab a beverage, now would be the time to do it. All right. Here, I'll pop back in here. Welcome back, everybody. We'll give a couple minutes for everybody no problem return mind waves tv i don't know what that is it's uh, your it's your new invention bro i am mind wave two separate words mm. mind wave like like brain waves but with the mind is mind waves tv a real thing Probably there, there's some kind of like head Bluetooth headset mm -hmm. called like the Mind Wave. Everything out there that's branded as Mind Wave is like Mind Wave one word. Um, mm. That was mm. uh, anyway. Um, you know, but I remembered, I remembered what it was, what I was gonna say, uh, because it we got you froze, <laughs> you froze, and I lost myself. No, but you, you touched on a couple crucial points where I had planted flags in my mm. brain mm. because you mentioned the enlightenment and yeah. 
Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> you'd, men you'd mentioned the Enlightenment, and what did the Enlightenment come from? It came from the Dark Ages. I mean, if we want to look to a time when religion ruled the world, look no further than the Dark Ages. And it wasn't Christianity that brought us out of the Dark Ages and into the Enlightenment. It was liberalism. It was liberal values. And with our founding fathers specifically, it was those core liberal values that they founded the country on. It wasn't anything that they had culturally reinforced by Christianity and into the do no wrong type mentality. They left, they, they disconnected that completely from religion, which is why they, they prioritized above everything else, individual liberty, including the liberty of thought and freedom of religion and freedom from religion. That's why we came to this country was to escape the church. I think right. a lot of people forget that. I agree. But where do you think that idea of individualism comes from though? And also where do you think the dichotomy between liberalism and conservatism comes from? That we're going to have to unpack on the outrage machine, I think, because the, the terms liberal and conservative are so fucking loaded now. Right. Right. Because nobody's using the terms correctly. Right. Um, in, in a political science, actually, this is what liberal values are. This is what conservative values are. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at them classically, there's not a whole lot of contention there. Um, I, I, I've described this. If, if it's, if it's a teeter totter, they're very close to the middle. They can get along, which is why this country was fine for ever. It's, the polar extremism, it's its the concentration at the extreme ends that's making it unsustainable. Um, right. But yeah, well, you know, of, I have conservative and liberal values. Like right. they're, they're not mutually exclusive. To be honest, I think if one political label encapsulates everything you believe in, that means you're an ideologue and you're not actually thinking for yourself. Right, right. And that's why, that's why I would say, like, I hold traditionally liberal values. I would not say I am a liberal. Uh, and that that is a difference. And the, this this is a little bit goes to the same thing of like, I am not an atheist. I hold some views that atheists would agree with. Right. That That's where I'm willing to draw the line. I have these ideas. They are not me. They don't define me. This goes back what, to the whole I mean, what um, idea, tribal what you, identifiers thing yeah. we went on for like one of our first conversations. We went up for like five hours. On yeah. Yeah. Identifiers. <laughs> it was great. That was awesome. What do you, um, what did you just say though? You said, uh, "Oh, what?" Like you said, um, "I share some views with atheists." What what mm. views do atheists have other than there's not a god? Um, I mean, that's the, always my question that general, I ask atheists, like, and they never have anything to say. They, I mean, because atheism itself isn't a belief system. There's right. not anything I, codified I in it. But things that I come across are general value for human life and well-being, you know, humanist principles, uh, respect for the self, respect for, you know, the other. These things are kind of everybody's built. I mean, of course, you're going to get your staunch atheist assholes who just want to shit on everybody. Definitely. Um, of course, you're going to get those. But largely, atheists are atheists because they reject the religious bullshit frankly of demonizing and dividing and well, better yeah. than you and they, they they reject all of the the negative aspects of it. that's what drove them away from it so they're is that I what drives you large, is that what drives you away 
the we're better than you kind of separation tribalism thing? Lots, lots drives me away from organizing. Then should, 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 shouldn't you also be driven away from politics too? Because that, I mean, that's politics is predicated on the idea that like we're one way and you're another way, but we got to put our differences aside and have a conversation so we can figure out how to work together. I fucking hate the political discourse for that exact reason. And it's, okay. it's become it even worse. You know, it's the same, like, I'm not a Democrat either. I've never voted for a Republican in my life, but I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. I vote okay. for Democrats. I tend to agree with Democrats more often than I would agree with Republicans. But right, it's, right. it's that separation that most people aren't willing to make. Right. They, they want the tribal flag. They want to say, I'm red team. I'm blue team. This is what we do. This is what we believe. Right. And, and, we, and both, we, both, we both agree that's wrong. Yeah, this, this, and I, I am willing to, I, this is something, there's something evolutionary going on here because we all have the monkey brain. Okay. The monkey brain wants to do all the fun right. stuff and fling the poop. Right. And then right. we have the reptile brain, which wants to rip each other's throats out. I think some people have like the lemming brain or like the sheep brain that like, I want to give up all individual thought <laughs> and like throw myself at this machine to be a cog in it. I, right. I think somewhere, Somewhere in our genes or something rattling around, I don't have that part of my brain to where I'm like, one of us. I just, I, right, neither do I. <laughs> it, like, clearly you don't. And that's why we can have, well, a I think that, well, I think that <laughs> Christianity can, prom can foster, and not just Christianity, but most religious texts can foster individualism because I think individualism comes by doing research, by, by doing, by, not necessarily studying philosophy, but I think everybody who's an individuated, fully actualized, realized human being is philosophical in their own right. They've done enough mm -hmm. research about cause and effect in their own life to, to, to be that individual. You know, Jeff put forth two comments that I think will segue us perfect into the creation versus random material process argument. And one oh, of them right. I just want to address real quick. He said, individualism comes from the fact that we can only perceive through our own senses. My, my only quarrel with that, that's true, by the way. That's where individualism comes from. My quarrel with the statement is that somebody had to espouse it for us to actually act it out. Because for the longest time, as we just talked about, human beings organize themselves in a tribalistic manner. Like, I'm better than you. We're better than each other. Let's stay away from each other. And if you come too close on my turf, I'm going to kill you, basically. So somebody had to come along and say, hey, I think we can all coexist. But the, but the only issue is, is that we have these two different cultures. And so instead of looking at each other like you're one of them and I'm one of us, you, we have to all view ourselves as individuals. Somebody had to actually espouse that idea. And the person who and the ideology that happened to have espoused that idea were religious ideologies like Buddhism and Hinduism and Christianity, I, I, I believe at least. I mean, okay. yeah. Oh, well, well, yeah, sure. Because, I, I mean, you, you got to think over the million years, millions of years of evolutionary history. There definitely was that one monkey, the hey, can't we get along monkey? Yeah, they for sure. They, they killed that funky monkey. Okay. <laughs> and when religions came along, it didn't get much better because the religions were still saying, no, this is it our God. This better. is our I mean, it, it didn't, it's not better compared to what we have in the modern world for sure. Although, you know, people are struggling with, you know, we have an all time high suicide, all high, all 
time high mental disorder stuff like that but Religion but we are better- not doing anything to solve that though well we that's i would argue that that's because we've lost touch with not just religion but ethic and philosophy and morality i mean it's 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 pretty clear when you look at the way hollywood is today and the media that you know morality has just kind of gone completely out the window but so jeff says atheists don't say there isn't a god they say there isn't a religion to believe in god okay so this is where of course i i fundamentally disagree because I a lot pers- of atheists do say that and that's why i won't call myself one that makes sense to me and you you've, you've that's what that's that. how i think about atheism too right. it's like it's not atheism is is not there is no god that's not what atheism that's right. like anti-theism there is no god that's anti-theism that sh- that's its own thing that that's it's it's not the language in our culture isn't <laughs> good enough most people think that's what atheism is atheism is is no like i i just don't subscribe to that i don't see any evidence right for- right can uh, be otherwise that's true atheism and in those in as that is defined i am one of those atheists i just I don't call myself an atheist for the specific reason uh that there are those atheists who are just fucking assholes uh and, and you're not and you've never shown no. me that you're one of those guys i've always you've always we've always had respectful civil dialogue and I, oh, I, I appreciate you because we can put our differences aside for the sake of these conversations. And I really enjoy it. Um, let me ask you a stupid question. Is that okay? Uh, sure. I am queuing up an overlay because this reminded me of something. Uh, That's okay. Or, it's, earlier it's, the top it's, yes, go. Th- now, let me just preface this question by telling you that it's a low resolution question. And I know it's a low resolution question because the idea of nothing can't really be quantified so it's only valuable at a philosophical level. Is that okay? Mm, okay, I might I might need a one a, a, a second for this one. Let me put this up real quick because this Go one ahead. I collected earlier. I tried discussing this recently and got screamed at by atheists. This is when I had uh, uh, put the pitch out for for this event, uh, talking about the utility and meaning and and everything in religion. So hey, yeah, most atheists, a lot I've of ever, atheists will be hostile to. I don't these think so. Things. Uh, I think most, most of atheists, them know, but a lot that it's significant. You, I, you, you do get your militants. Well, I definitely don't think you need religion to be moral. Most atheists that I've ever met are moral people. Um, I think that where their morality comes from is questionable, but that's we've already kind of gone over that. So the question I want to ask you once again, it's a low resolution and flimsy question. And it's only relevant at a philosophical level. We can't really apply it objectively because nothing doesn't exist. But the question I want to ask is, can something come from nothing according to what we know? According to like physics? No. So, so you agree that something can't come from nothing? Correct. So my whole point with this is that I believe the science is actually on the side of not necessarily the religious believer, but the person who adheres to the idea that there's an intelligent designer behind the construction of this universe. And the reason why that is, and I've actually been saying this too much lately, I'm a broken record. Someone's gotta, I'm I'm gonna stop saying it after this because I'm tired of saying it. But what consistent with everything we know as human beings, whenever there's a law, there's a mind behind it, there's a lawmaker and the universe is made of laws. Now, according to what we can see at the objective level, at the at the base reality, 
nothing is random, everything is causal. Now at the at the quantum level, there's quantum uncertainty. So that's an example of randomness that we have actually calculated. But but at the at the actual objective level, at the three-dimensional level, four-dimensional level, there's no randomness. It's all causal. In fact, physicists at the lowest levels of, of, of existence have been able to extrapolate a code out of the existence. And not only is that code sophisticated, but it's self-correcting and it changes on its own accord and we don't know why. And so my question is, if there's a code, then consistent with everything we know as humans, there should be a coder somewhere. I'm not saying it's God. I'm not saying mm. it's Jesus or Buddha or whatever, you know, any new age, the all, the one, the source or anything like that. But I'm saying that we have to assume that it comes from something. Something can't come from nothing. Do we though? We're about to get cosmic. Ah! Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I love this. This is, this is the watchmaker argument, which uh, Richard Dawkins addresses in his book, The Blind Watchmaker, in terms of evolution, looking at something as so complex as the eye, nothing, this couldn't evolve by random chance. And my, my answer to you, uh, in ter in, in as your question, as you phrased it, for this universe, why does this universe have order? Why are we able to extrapolate out these mathematical laws and guiding forces that are in this universe doesn't don't say it's a projection. Don't no. say it's a projection. No, no, I'm not going there. I'm okay, not going there. Okay. Okay. Not okay. that esoteric, but it's, okay. I am going into cosmology. <laughs> this is, okay. this is a cosmology a ontology too. I <laughs> uh, love it. I, I put away the bell. I, I figured this was not going to be a bell event, so I don't have I thought so bell. too. No bell. Yeah. No. Yeah. No bell. Uh, so unless we, we could ring a bell for every time you say something like Sam Harris and I say something like Jordan Peterson, that would be a good bell, th but that would maybe, be ne maybe next time. <laughs> that would be a good bell. Oh, geez. All right. Let me find, find myself here for the see, live streams, man. I don't like doing live shows. So the reason this goes back to the, this goes back to the, there was that monkey. They killed that fucking monkey argument. Maybe. Or maybe so they... Yeah, wait, <laughs> the reason that we find ourselves in a universe that is ordered, that has mathematical laws and principles that guide it, is because we can't exist in the other ones. According to multiverse theory, these universes pop in and out of existence all the time. It's just that they don't evolve life because the fundamental forces aren't right for that to happen. I can't. For, I can't do multiverse theory. For, I, I, I thought I was, but I couldn't. I can't. I I don't subscribe to multiverse theory as okay, okay. as a thing. But for the sake of thought experiment, we it exist was only, in this universe yeah. because the Planck's constant and the strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force and the gravitational force. All the numbers were plugged in just right for stars to form for galaxies to form planets etc we exist in that universe because we couldn't exist in it other if if the ground state wasn't already set there we couldn't have evolved in the first place to ask the question and multiverse theory not uh, teaches multiverse theory lays out that in fact 
these universes, they all do exist simultaneously and not. They pop in and out of existence all the time. The laws of univ the laws of physics could be wildly different between them. We just happen to live in the one where it's plugged in just right, just like we happen to live on Earth in this solar system that the numbers are just right. We're just far enough away from the sun right, right. to where we're getting enough heat. We got liquid water. It's just it's it's the Goldilocks thing. We well, just I, so happen to be in the right spot, and all the other spots are still desolate and shitty. It is kind of an anthropocentric, anthropocentric yeah. thing to be like, look at how special we are. We're we're in the point zero 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 one percent of right. universes that made it. But that's right. the that is the non-religious answer to that question. Yeah. Well, well, two things, and I, and I think you. You laid that out very eloquently, by the way. I thought that was that was compelling. You two two things. I find it funny that you use words like plugged in because that also mm. insinuates a mind, and it's it's almost like we can't even help it. We it's like yeah. we can tr we try to fight it, but we 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 have no choice but to attribute it to a mind because we say things like plugged in or laws or code. It's all right. it all you know. We don't we don't have the language to describe it, right? Because we're we we the only language that we have to describe it is, is language that we use as as creators ourselves. And how arrogant to think us us mere monkeys who figured out how to smash rocks together good enough to go into space. How arrogant of us to think that like uh, the the same thing that's going on in our meat computers and these tiny little specks of cosmic insignificant bullshit. How arrogant of us to think that the, the same process that allows us to smack rocks together and go to space is the same kind of thing that allowed the universe to come together. It feels very anthropocentric. You know, like, oh, it feels just as yeah. like, oh, holy divine, we're made in his image kind of thing when I'm much more inherently, uh, uh, which man created well, God in his own image. It was the other way around. Right. And, and there's what I can tell. I agree. And, you know, there's a there's a point that needs to be delineated, I think. And it's that human beings are not separate from nature. I think we we get caught up oh, in this cool. idea that we are like some end result at the at the end at the outer layers of the Big Bang. We're like this end result process and, and we're kind of like separate from nature. But the fact of the matter is, is that you, me, this table that my laptop is on, this microphone Everything that is in the earth and in every planet and all the dark matter of the dark energy was all amalgamated into one singular point. So you right. and I were once the same thing. And that's kind of like, you know, kind of like to, to play on what you said, like, why would we think that what goes on in here is the same process that goes on out there? I think actually you, it would, that would be a reasonable assumption because we come from the same source. We're, we're, you know, here's a new agey thing to say, but it's also true. The same way that a tree making an apple is is somehow part of the process of the Big Bang is 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 the same way that we're part of the process of the Big Bang. We're not an end result of the Big Bang. We're 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 right. some process that's transpiring, and we we don't know why. We can we can we can like talk about why it might be, but we have no idea. We're the self-reflecting part. We we are. Right. In, in the timeless words of Carl Sagan, we are the part of the cosmos, I'm paraphrasing, that can know it's, we're part of the cosmos that knows itself, that can look back upon itself and, and reflect 
to see what it truly is. Right. Uh, which is, again, this is completely outside of a religious framework. Right. Soaringly fucking spiritual when you think about it. Right. We're the, and we're the part of the universe with the eyes looking back at itself. You know? Well, you know, even which to see, does like, sound wooey. Yeah, that sounds Alan Watsy like I took way too much acid and was like, <laughs> we're the part of the universe that can see itself, man. Which is what people say when they take psychedelics, which is pretty interesting <laughs> yeah. because because psychedelics, <laughs> one of the thing, one of the things that they do is they turn off the part of the brain that ignores information. A lot of what your brain does is ignore information. So to bring us back to Connor, do you have any religious family members you are afraid of losing? None of my family is religious. Um, except for my dad, but you would never guess that he's religious because he never talks about it and he mm. doesn't care about like anybody else being religious. It's a private thing for him. Um, but nobody else in my family is religious at all. That's um, weird. Everyone in my family is religious. Well, that, well that's kind of ironic, right? That we're sitting at the opposite like, ends. So let me ask you this. Everyone. You said to, when you were negating my, or no, I don't want to say negate, that's a strong word, but when you were, mm. you know, being in opposition with my claim about the coder, you brought up multiverse theory. And I actually had something interesting to say about that because I kind of adhered to that idea for a long time. But I watched a, a podcast recently with Brett Weinstein and Sam Harris. And it was actually Sam Harris who said that it's really, um, oops. Oh no! Technical difficulties, kids. Sorry about that. Live stream. Lay live stream. Sorry about that. Um, Jeff said I'm still avoiding. Please tell me what I'm avoiding, and I'll I'll face it head on for you. Um, Sam Harris was the one who said that actually it's really hard to believe in the multiverse theory, and you know I only watched the podcast once, so I couldn't specifically mm. delineate what his reasons were. But I remember like in the aura of the podcast, it was compelling, and 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 I, and I kind of was like. It made me think twice about whether or not I can actually agree that that the multiverse theory is is likely. I, I mean, it's definitely possible, but we just I, I w without without an intimation of of proof. Like I'm not even saying definitive proof, right. but without and it's not. I, even, I just can't. It's not even possible. This isn't. This is important because I brought it up. An important point for me to make. I don't actually. I don't subscribe to this idea that there are multiple universes. I was merely speaking from mathematically probabilistically. If we're talking about, we don't even have to yeah, put but if, other if that, universes if, in question. Real quick though, but you said that the reason why we exist in this universe is because the numbers happen to be plugged in perfectly. But if we don't we live in a multi- We couldn't have otherwise is, is what I'm saying. There doesn't right. need to be other universes. Gender, but that's, that's, that's what I'm saying what, though, is- if there's no other universe and the numbers are plugged in right here, why? Why wouldn't they just be dissolute? And because because there the probability of that happening is probably much greater than what actually happened. It was probably much more likely that that it would just be chaos and nothingness. We just so happen to be in the reality eventuality where it turned out this way. I'm God. See, this is why I try not to get into multiverse you just, theory. You, it's you so, just you just sold me on God, bro. Like you just uh, sold me on God. No, no. <laughs> I need my bell. I need my bell. It's not okay. No, okay. 
It's it's about the ground state. We don't have to. Why assume. is it perfect? Why 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 do we? Why it's not perfect. It's not. It, you look at most of the universe. Most of the universe is incredibly hostile to life. That's you, not true. That's not true. The distance, we're, we're, Connor. The distance it would take me to drive to your house right now. If I drove that same distance directly up, I would die. If I drove that same distance directly down, I would die. Everywhere else in the universe is completely hostile to life. We found a handful it, of teeny tiny specks that maybe are kind of chill. Most places in the universe are completely just the most hostile, hellish environments no, you can imagine. When we, when, if you were to look at the map of the universe, you would see, you would see like stars exploding and quasars going off. But and, and then you would look at that and you would say the universe is chaotic. But what yeah. you're ignoring is all the blackness around those quasars and around those explosions where nothing is happening. So the universe actually is perfectly balanced in that for oh, every area yeah, where there's something chaotic empty. happening, yeah. there's something empty also over here. The empty spaces are just as hostile to life too, just saying. <laughs> to life. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, they're not, but they're not chaotic. They're just, they're stagnant. Yeah, they're, in, in terms of, in terms of, setting a state for life to evolve the conditions have to be just right and this goes into comparative planetology as carl sagan called it or 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 if exobiology if you're looking at life evolving this is so far off the rails i fucking love it this is great <laughs> you well, know if you're yeah. looking for the you what what we're looking for is not eden it's the potential all all you need to have at the ground state you need to have you know, uh, be within a certain temperature range. You need to have a liquid medium. You need to have a complex chemistry. You need to have an energy source like heat, like light, like geothermal, like something. You just need to have the right ingredients. Sounds like a lot of planning. Sounds like a lot of things that would have to be planned. Or, or, or something that just happens because those are the ingredients everywhere. I mean, you look at the stuff that we're made of. The top five, six ingredients in the human body, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, whatever. Right, right. They're the same. There's more, you, but yeah. It, yeah, it's, I'm not going into specifics. They're the same list of elements in the universe by abundance with the exception of helium for students. But we're made of the most common stuff out there. You look at all the other solar systems. They're all made of the same stuff. They're all in different arrangements. They're all set up very differently. To where like some some solar systems have planets the size of Jupiter that are orbiting half the distance of Mercury and they're the most hellish places ever. Some of them have, you know, like ice worlds that have nice warm oceans underneath where there could be life. It's it's that the ground state is that all the ingredients are the same. There's just a bajillion different uh, parameters for them to set themselves up in it could be a 50 yeah, percent nitrogen you, atmosphere or a 32 yeah. percent nitrogen yeah atmosphere but if you, if you expand that out to your conception of the whole universe it right. becomes a little bit more tricky because then you yeah i get what you're saying unlimited number of planets same chemicals everywhere eventually they're going to mix together perfectly to construct life and that makes sense but why why in this universe though i mean if, if we're both agreeing that it's we don't have enough proof to say that there's a multiverse, which I think that is the case. We don't have enough proof. Why right. Why these perfect parameters and why, why even have, like, because, you know, nature always takes the path of least resistance. So anything that happens it is for some reason that we can't comprehend, you know, like other than at the quantum level, anything that we perceive as randomness 
is our inability to comprehend complex variables. So why would this random desolate universe even conspire to create us? If it was just by random material process, no intelligent design, no planner. Because, because it couldn't have done otherwise. If it did do otherwise, we wouldn't be here to ask the question. If the strong nuclear force were off by 0.000 right. whatever, then atoms and molecules couldn't come together, form the basic building blocks of existence uh, to even allow for the opportunity for life forms such as we to ask the question. Uh, oh, uh, Jeff, thank you for stopping in. We uh, love you too. Love you. Take care, man. Thanks for joining us. This is thanks for joining us. This is great, man. You know, we kind of have like a little meta, a little meta podcast going on on the right here. Like these guys are having their own little discussion, which is kind of cool. I know. I love it. I, I had reached out. I, I solicited a couple of questions from an IDW group uh, and it spawned its own thing. So like there are other threads like on the, I took a couple little screen grabs of like the, the seeds to plant the conversational seeds, but yeah, I'm going to start making more of a presence in the IDW group. I'm going to, I got to get in on that. You got to do it, man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start getting into more, uh, Especially since I'm, I have apparently I'm getting into actually interviewing people in the IDW, which is crazy. Mm, which uh, is awesome. Congratulations. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. That's, that's nuts, man. That's, that's nuts. Angburn still hasn't gotten back to me. Uh, Travis, if you're not watching this cause you're too famous. <laughs> He's like, I can't wait to never watch this. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, um, so <laughs> where were we? Back on track. Fuck, man. You rang the bell. I did. It's oh, it's here now. It's it. it's something from nothing. I mean, it's it's it really is. Have you read the Bind Watchmaker? Um, no, but I'm very familiar with the Watchmaker argument. You should read. You should read Dawkins' The Blind Watchmaker because it's he 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 talks about this specifically within the context of evolutionary biology in terms of the complexity of life. How could something this complex come from simple material processes? Well, if we're talking about evolution, it really you know, is, yeah. evolution well, is all of it. Cosmology is evolution. When we're talking about evolution, we're not talking about right. just when the very first molecules on Earth started to replicate or when the very first fish flapped its flippy little flippers out of the water in the mud. I mean, we're talking about well, the entire evolution of the Do you think universe. that... Can, do you think that the evolution of species is similar to the evolution of the universe? Would you equate those to have similar characteristics? Because if so, the process, I, mean, I think, yeah, I think it's so, somewhat Darwinian. If you look right. at well, because we know that evolution, evolution, yeah, yeah, there is some kind of Darwinian about it. Because evolution's not random. You know, we we just mm -hmm. talked about how there's no randomness in in the world. Well. It, it's, it depends on where you're, what you're approaching this from. If you're approaching this from a quantum physicist level, you might say it's random or, or, it's, or it's all causal. But the fact of the matter is, is that certain species who had better advantages reinforce those advantages by, by means of mutation over a period of time. And those like animals were more likely to propagate. So have you ever, are you familiar with novelty theory? Refresh my memory. It it's not something you it's not something in the mainstream. It's 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 almost kind of woo-woo, but I I feel like it's it's an interesting concept and I kind of want to hear what you think about it. It's the idea that the universe is simply complexifying. You know, we started off with this singular point 
and then it was just hydrogen, and then the hydrogen eventually became a couple more complex substances, and then those complex substances formed into planets and ro or rocks, which eventually, you know, developed atmospheres, which eventually eventually developed life, and then we are life, and we're going to eventually develop artificial intelligence, which is like a synthetic life. I mean, it if there's one thing you can say about the way that this whole thing has transpired, it's that everything is more complex than the last. Why? Sure. Why is it more complex? Those are the hard questions that I don't think science does a good job answering. Now, also, I want to say, I don't think religion definitively answers them either, but I think it gets a little closer. Well, I mean, okay, it, let's... I kind of think of it as... It's not additive manufacturing, it's reductive. So it gets more complex for the same reason that the statue of David formed out of a piece of marble. It's it's a deductive process as opposed to an additive process. If that like if that response makes sense. It gets more complex because more more's going into it. You start with a blank color. Let's use a, a canvas analogy. You start right. with a blank canvas. You start adding paints and colors and shapes and abstractions. But there's a, but there's a mind it behind only, that. There's a mind yeah, behind the canvas. There doesn't necessarily have to be. For it, the canvas, there does. Unless you create a, a machine like Google's artificial intelligence that could you make could, art. I mean, you could imagine a scenario like let's okay let's remove intelligence from let's talk geological processes let's remove intelligence from it completely geological processes produce some of the most beautiful abstract complex art which is amalgamations of complex mathematical repeating patterns which we called crystals that are forged together with you know different complex chemistry it creates some of the most beautiful art on earth and this is just the process of a natural it's just a natural process that's that's formed from the ground state is that's actually a better example but it only gets more complex if you start with a layer of um of you know like carbon rich rock the heat pressure increases you know you start to form diamond layers you have s pockets of you know uh, i'm not gonna list off different elements but you kind of get what i'm saying is that like it's only gonna get more complex and more just because that's how the arrow of time works just that's because you know right uh, yeah I, my I only know, thing is that following. whenever things come whenever that does make sense it just to me it seems like whenever things start from a primitive state and become more complex it always seems like there's a mind behind it, at least consistent with what how, the way that we interact with the world. I want to say something to Orthodox Zoomer. By the way, I think some of the things you've contributed have been, you know, nuanced, and, and I appreciate them. But I don't understand why you wouldn't want to have conversations with atheists. Because first of all, when you're having a conversation, you shouldn't be trying to sell anybody on anything. I'm not trying to sell Jenner on the idea that God exists. We're just, you know giving each right. other perspective. That's, that's all it is. Um, beyond that, I find it actually pretty convenient that religious people say that it's her, uh, heretical to argue with an atheist. Is that, is that because you like an echo chamber and you don't like your ideas challenged 
we need to challenge each other. It's not our job to whisper sweet nothings into each other's ear. When we yeah. challenge each other, we make each other better. So that's that's what I wanted to say. I didn't mean to call you out or anything. I just wanted to justify, you know, why I think it's important for people who are religious and non-religious to have these conversations. So and sorry to take us off track. Well, that is no, you got us back on track. That's why we're here. That's why we're here having this event uh, and showing that this is possible because you and I we don't hate each other we we don't even disagree we just think we just come at in fact i love you jenner i fucking love you too bro uh i've i've said it many a time we just come at things from a different hey. place and this is about reclaiming conversation as the tool to move us forward your whole show is predicated around this idea it's why i fucking love you so much it's why i want to work with you so bad and why i'm so fucking stoked that i actually have somebody who i can unpack religion with and it's not somebody who's in the echo chamber. Like it would be fairly boring for me to have a conversation, anything remotely like this with uh, a staunch atheist, because it would just be a circle jerk the whole time. It's just like, right. yeah, somebody, I agree. Yeah. And yeah, somebody once asked me if I would want, if, if a new nation was being constructed, that was going to predicate itself on the best of all religious without dogma, would you be tempted? I said, absolutely not. Like, I, I, I kind of think that people who are in opposition to each other need each other because yeah. once again, you can't just exist in an echo chamber. If you do that, if you only hang out with people who validate the things you already believe, you'll never learn anything. Talking is the best way to learn. And I've it's, learned, and, yeah. I, and even though, even though you and I haven't swayed each other completely on any position, You've learned, I've learned from you and I'm sure you've learned from me. And yet here we are still maintaining our stances. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all about, man. So, it's, it's all it, about. That's what it's all about. It's all about the return to discourse. So now you talked about, you talked about patterns and then that, I think that's, that's yes. an interesting thing too. I think the universe is made of patterns. Um, I, I don't think that it's a projection to say that there's patterns in the universe. Like, I don't think that that's our crystals, a perfect example of, right mathematically repeating forms and and it's the result of natural processes because in carbon the carbon atom is a perfect example of this mm. carbon mm. by itself can form four bonds it can only form four so there you have almost like a spreadsheet of like what are the possible things that they can form if on the bond one, you have another carbon on the bond two, you have another oxygen. So you already set up with a limited number of combinations. Carbon, because it has four, is uh, it, chemists say it's a slutty one because it gets around. It can bond with just about anything, and that's what life is based on. Everything that we know as life is based on this carbon atom, and there's no intelligence behind it. It's just only able to do that thing. And we can even take it down a step further. Let's just say it's either one or zero. It can only be on or off. So we just happen to be in zero, one, zero, one, because that's what it is in this universe. We can imagine a but universe why? where it's zero, one, zero, zero, but we couldn't exist in that universe. That's it. It just seems, it just seems like from the perspective of somebody who believe, who, you know, potentially myself believes in a intelligent design argument it seems like quite the coincidence but well, i guess it, if if you look at 
our solar system, and this, and this is why I kind of understand to a degree some anthropocentric arguments because we're here to ask the question. No right. other creature on Earth is is doing what we're doing right now. Right, right. We're doing something very special, and our our planet appears to be very special where it's situated in the right. solar system. It's just right for life. Our our star. We've looked at all the neighboring stars. None of them really are are having anything close to anything looking comfy. So we, there is this kind of self importance almost reinforced by the cosmic fact that like we are at least in this pocket of the universe, pretty goddamn important. Um, how, how far out that bubble of cosmic important expands is, is one of the biggest keys. You, you, the, the, the key to the universe that, that's the fucking thing that we need to unlock. We need to find out how common because the ingredients are the same everywhere and the math is the same everywhere. The the laws of physics are the same everywhere. So if you look at the numbers by themselves, not even talking about other universes, if you look at the numbers by themselves, life is almost certainly everywhere because j- it, the, the odds of it only arising on this one planet in this one place at this one time is literally astronomical. Well, it's, it's, but so. space is pretty quiet as far as you know the Fermi, as, as the Fermi paradox points out. But at the same time, I've heard this corner, this teeny tiny little corner. It's well, it's also possible that time is so you know there's been so much time that other species on other planets have reached their pinnacle and then fallen and become extinct many times before we came. It's that that is that is quite possible. Oh yeah. No, that's that's Carl Sagan's argument is that you know species are are probably more likely to wipe themselves out the second that they're able to rather than expand you know into the cosmos. We're we're getting well off religion, man. I, well, it, it's a, I, it's no, great. but I think I it's a it. I think it's a good segue because you know I, Orthodox Zoomer once again he he says um you know, he's bringing up consciousness into the argument, which is something that I can't believe we've ignored this whole time, but it's, it's relevant. It's that. Absolutely. To me, it seems like that, and this is just the way that I experience it subjectively, but it seems to me that consciousness isn't something that emerges out of the body. It it seems like something that has always been there, kind of like sound, like sound is always there, but it takes a, a creature with a certain neurological system and certain orifices to be able to internalize that sound. And I kind of think the same thing about consciousness. And I kind of think that is where the idea, the old ancient idea, the Buddhist idea and the Hindu idea of finding God in oneself comes from. It's like, it, it, it's almost like what we were talking about earlier, this, where, where we acknowledge that it kind of sounds like woo, the idea that we're the universe becoming conscious of itself and aware of itself right that's you know the universe is often like god like if you can look at an ancient text and god is often just a word that they're using to describe the universe they're describing it in a more dramatized way but but it's a similar thing i mean you you find in most religions that the conception of god is not only that god is embedded into the fabric of everything but also simultaneously exists outside Yeah. Which is kind of like if I invented a computer, right? That computer is separate from me, but it's at the same time, it's only an extension of me. It's only an extension of what I designed it to do. 
And it, and it seems like, you know, we have this bizarre phenomenon that is consciousness. We can have these conversations. We can have crazy, we can simulate things 20 years in the future that are never, that are never probably going to happen. It just seems so metaphysical, impossibly ethereal, impossibly um, ridiculous and, and spiritual that we can even have these, these, these types of experiences. And I say, could that not be a fragment of the extension of the, of a designer? I, I mean, I default back to evolution on this one because I mean, if you look at the evolution of the evolution of the eye as a perfect example, because it started as a single, as a single light sensing element, all it could tell was there's light. And then it developed a, a cavity to where it could tell, okay, now we can tell which direction the light is coming from. And these are all, this was a slow, slow emergent property. And soon we have full binocular vision, full color binocular vision. So this is, this is a step-by-step -step emergent property. I am of the belief, if we want to call it a belief, that consciousness is the same, works the same way in that a fish swimming around in the ocean, it's got its little eyes. It can see where the light's at. It's looking for food. It's primitively consciousness. It's primitively conscious. You know, any other animal on earth that we look at, we can, we can see, okay, clearly there's some kind of, self-awareness there if you see a worm on the ground and you cut it in half it's going to be able to tell that you cut it in half and it's going to wriggle around and be all stressed out and pissed off primitive consciousness is something that emerges in what the in the thing that we're calling life when it gets complex enough to vocalize and communicate because i think this comes back to the evolution of language and writing is is the evolutionary precursor to everything that we're doing right now. I think if chimps had two billion years or whatever of evolutionary fucking uh, history under their belts ahead of us, they could be much better at communicating and collaborating than we are. Um, we just happen to exist on this branch, and we're just we just happen to be this good at it i think that what, this likely goes well yeah. beyond what we yeah. experience yeah what well you said something about. you said that writing is the precursor to all evolutionary innovations is that is that what you said in terms of in terms of like us being able the thing that makes us unique in that we yeah i agree can use our consciousness to communicate with each other and well, share you know, ideas like the cop yeah that's the, what the, allowed it to happen. The Kabbalists have an idea that there's only two kind. There's two different kinds of, of 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 matter and consciousness. So there's it's it's kakma consciousness, which is like what always is. It's everything around you. Um, it it happens when when you dream. It happens when you're awake. It's everything that ever is, and it just is. It just is. And then there's Bina consciousness, which is the consciousness that requires language to come into fruition. And I think, and I don't want to limit the word language here. I think the language is many things. It's the way you move, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you, the, where you look around your behavior, it's everything, right? So, you know, we look at a fish, right? And a fish, like you said, has a, 
doesn't have as complex of a nervous system as we do. And therefore, as a result, it doesn't have as complex of a consciousness. And it seems as though the more complex the, the agent or the physiology of the agent, the, the, the more efficacy that agent has in, and I'm going to say something that you might not agree with. I'm going to frame it in a way you might not agree with. The more efficacy that agent has in tuning in to a higher level of that consciousness that to my mind is like a pan consciousness that always exists like a fundamental fabric of reality. Hmm. Yeah, consciousness is a trippy one, man. I was not expecting to go down this, this particular rabbit hole. No, that's okay. Uh, uh, you're right. We, we, we kind of, should we move on to Q and a, uh, well we have, yeah, I mean, we the comment section's been going well, which is great because I mean, I love it. We are going to take an, another short little break here before we wrap it at nine. So let's, yeah, let's go through our uh, existing cues here that we have. So what what we should do is we should take a, a quick break, and then what we'll do is we'll open up Q and A's in the live chat, and if none of them come in, or if we don't, or once we run out or something, we can move on to the to the preloaded questions. How's that sound? Yeah, I have like uh, seven or eight of those, I think. So perfect. Um, I'm going to take a quick bathroom break. Then that's awesome. All right, guys. Well, again, thank you for watching, and we will be back in a couple minutes. We're going to do potties and all that cool stuff. So we'll be back. We'll be back.
dude, you gotta let me use that podcast, that music for my podcast intro. You dig it? I dig it a lot. I was. I, a I, could, I could meditate to that music, man. Yeah, it's a trip. Uh, that's off. Uh, that's the same one I used for the promo. That's called Plato's Cave. If anybody anybody has been interested in the uh, music backing for this live event, let me know. Uh, I can get you a copy of that. That that's uh, my winter album from last year. It's all about. Uh, it's called Incendium. I took the whole like fire and blood and history and mythology thing um, and painted a bunch of landscapes with it. And it just happened to jive with this event like so super well. Um, so I, I used some philosophical framings, some religious framings. I did one on Exodus. I did one on Genesis. I did, you know, shit about like the witch trials and uh, burning people yeah. at stake. And yeah, it's just very Christmassy. It's a, it's right. a awesome project, but yeah. Uh, so somewhere here I had, um, well, we can open up the floor for, if anyone wants to submit a question on the live chat, we can answer that first and then we can move on to the preloaded question. Special meat. I I don't agree with that. The idea that laws are not absolute is actually the mindset of science. No, only at the quantum level, at, 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 at the objective level, we have to say that the universe is made of laws because they follow those laws consistently. And we're not actually able to extrapolate randomness out of that level of the universe. Randomness only exists at the quantum level. So mm. I'm ready for questions. If anyone has a question, let's start with a preloaded one and then we'll work from there. Make me do work. All right. Yeah. Well, I got them, man. It's it's gonna take a second because it's loading them up is different than uh, the live ones. So this one first, Brian Madsen is someone who grew up a believer in Mormonism, although he's now agnostic. Religion is helpful to build human connection and relationships. Establishing a tribe of sorts is very much like right down our fucking alley. Uh, in a day when people are more disconnected from other humans, he thinks it's beneficial. I think you do too. I'm willing to grant that it can be my, my default position. I think is that overall it's, it does more harm than good Mm. and that there are other ways. There are better ways to foster collaboration and trust between social groups than religious frameworks. What do you think? Um, I think that, Community is important, and I think ritual is important. And I think the place where ritual and community meet is oftentimes in a church, but I don't think it necessarily has to be. Right. It just it just is that just is what it is in the modern world. It's an echo of something that happened in the past that still lives on to this day. And I definitely don't see anything wrong with it. Like if a conglomeration of people decide that they believe in God and they want to engage in communal rituals. I actually think that's beneficial for society. You know, there's really good evidence that rituals are um, inherently beneficial. Um, Countries who have divorce rituals are less likely to have divorce. Um, There's, there's a plethora of other examples, but that's just the one that comes to my mind right away. So um, I also think that, you know, building connection with people in your community 
is a great way to enhance your formulation and conception of the world because to know what's going on in your own backyard, there, there's a true power to that, to know what your neighbor thinks. So mm -hmm. I do think that's important as well. I don't necessarily think it has to take place within the confines of a church though. Yeah. And, and I would argue that it, the church is probably like one of there, there are a billion better answers. I'd, I'd go even further and just say that there, there's a million better ways to foster collaboration and connection between small groups and neighborhoods have a, have a barbecue every Sunday, go down to the beach and, and cook hot dogs with the kids, take your dogs for a run in the park. Yeah. Uh, set, have a book club. I mean, at, you, you see groups that you, a lot of this, like with outdoor activities, you see people who are like really into biking or hiking and stuff. Yeah. And they, they build these, these, these community groups together. They go out, they do, they put themselves in danger. They rely on each other. You know, they put their lives in each other's hands, climbing, you know, free climbing up a fucking rock face or whatever. And to me, to me, when I see those types of human bonds and relationships, that blows the water out of this kind of doctrinal. Oh, we all we all go to the same building every Sunday and chant together because that's how our ancestors did it. I'm starting to get well, snarky. That's the that's the it's OK. <laughs> if, you, if you've ever, you know. I would wage that if you went across the world to India, like so many people do, and you engaged in some of those Hindu chanting rituals or, or, or drum circles or something like that, it might rattle around some stuff upstairs that you didn't know was there. And I would wage that that's, that's what oh, happens sure. to most people. So I definitely don't think we should undermine the utility of, 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 of song and in a communal way. Now, I also no, I'm an audio producer. I, you heard the shit that I just right. made about Plato's cave. I wouldn't do and that. I also, you know? But I also think you're conflating like one-on-one -on -one brief interaction with like communal ritualistic action. And once again, we agree that those actions don't need to take place with the religious connotation. But I do think right. that they, we don't, we shouldn't desacralize um, ritual. No, and I, and I totally agree. A concert would be an excellent example of 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 a ritual that, you know, uh, uh, that feels spiritual for people that moves large. Uh, you see a huge crowd of people at an amazing live concert. That's the same kind of thing. It just doesn't have to be wrapped I in agree. a layer of oh, I agree. fictional bullshit. It can be wrapped around art and and music. And yeah, and well, that's a million what better things. Oh, that's but that's you know that's religion is the word religion epistemologically means respect for the sacred. So right. that means at some level, religion is just a perceptual experience. And so, you know, I like that example that you said about going to a concert because going to a concert is absolutely a quasi-religious experience. You're there with a bunch of people who are there for the same reason who are there to see the same thing, who probably have similar views from you because you can often tell a lot about people by the music they listen to. So there, there's something really real there. And, and many cultures have gone out of their way to try to invoke this experience in different ways. Um, sometimes it's art. Sometimes you look at a piece of art and it invokes that experience. Sometimes you hear a song or you're in a building with beautiful architecture and that invokes the experience. Some people are attracted to the pyramids for whatever reason. To, and other people, you know, they just throw, hey, it's a block of stones on the other side of the world. But some people are so drawn to that and it evokes that experience so much that they'll fly, they'll spend their money and fly across and go across oh, the totally. world to, to see it. So in the Christian doctrine, it, they just so happen to invoke that by 
bringing people into a building every Sunday, reading a few texts from this book, which the book also invokes the religious right. experience, and then singing some songs and drinking some grape juice and eating some bread. <laughs> and it gives people that that, yeah. that experience. And I think the religious experience- sure. That's one other thing, if the religious experience exists, there must be a reason. It, nature always takes the path of least resistance. So we can't just repress that experience. We have to foster environments that invoke it. It's, it's not even like that part of it is almost an afterthought. The, the organizational kind of community building aspect is such an afterthought because my main and primary issue with religion, and this applies to all of them, is that <laughs> they are fictions posing as the truth. And that leads well, to real world conflict. Can I reword if that? It, if it was just a fictional thing, like if it was a Shakespeare meeting and everybody there knew that they were just getting together to read Shakespeare and I'll bond over that. And they under they all understood that it was fiction, it was allegory, it was art. That would be different than them thinking this fiction, this fairy tale that I'm reading is what the unit, the creator of the universe wants me to believe. It's, it's that thing, the primary thing that I have but, a problem. But fiction I don't care is, what you believe. But fiction, but fiction isn't not true. It's true. It's just not true in an empirical way. It, it, you know, here's something weird about fiction. Is that every book that's that's that was written that's to be a fiction book has truth in it that was consciously placed, and it also has truth in it that was unconsciously placed. Because things that anything you that is is true. So if I write something in my book, that means that it comes from a place in my subconscious that is there, and because it's there, it's true. That means it's true to some degree at least. So fiction is a great way to display truth. I mean, that's what they, our ancient ancestors did is they observed things from nature. They, they didn't have the empirical ability to, to explain them in a flat out kind of way to just say it. But what they did have is they had the ability to construct drama. So they placed what they abstract extrapolated out into that drama and, and weaved it in. And, and, and as a result, a lot of other truth came about that tells us about the plight of the primordial man. Cause the, cause you, one thing to note too, religious stories were written before nations predicated their, their country around them. Like they were in the backwoods. Some, a lot of those stories were just told for thousands of years before writing. Right. And then eventually we discovered writing and we wrote them down and then, and then, and then we wrote them down and then a bunch of people got together and put them all together and then later on, a bunch of people said, hey, I think we should use this book to, to be our overarching philosophy in our nation. So that's worth noting as well. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, the argument always comes back to like, how, how useful is it today? You know, for me, like it, it's, it appears to be doing more harm than good. It's from, from well, my I don't know, you know, Christians point. are the most persecuted rel religious people in the world. So I don't know if necessarily know if it's if the, if you can unequivocally point the finger to the Christians. I'm not saying that they've been innocent little puppies in this, but you know, neither neither is any group, man. Every institution has has its corrupt assailants, you know. Hmm. Indeed. I, I, I have to pull this one up because I tend to agree with Ethan here that mental health problems are rising because it has to do 
more with societal issues around. I'm, are you not scarcity. worried about your survival? I'm worried about, yeah, I'm, no, I, mean, I yeah. want to survive. Do you not want to survive? Yeah. We do things every day to survive. You stay yeah. in your house with four walls to keep you away from predators and, and, and violent people at night. We're all trying to survive just to a different degree because we've innovated technology that's allowed us to get to a place where we don't have to try as hard anymore, but we're all trying. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't live in these little boxes that we call houses to keep to keep away the bad guys. We're all trying to survive. I'm sorry. I I, I think I think the main point there is that this this that's more of a an economic thing than it has to do with you know a lack of of religion because that. That appeared to be your your argument that this the decline in mental health and everything seems to be from a lack of cohesive spiritual vision. Yeah. Spiritual. Or, and, and, yeah. By the way, it brings me hope to see people at least going to spirituality. It doesn't need, need to necessarily be religion, but I think that it's a step better for me than I, I mean. I, again, I I think see, they're all. But see, but that's what happened for me, that, and what happens for a lot of people is they start religious, they become atheists. Then they become spiritual and that spirituality sets the context for them to be able to go back to the religious ideas and separate the dogma from them. But you can't separate out the dogma without a little bit of nuance. So. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's keep it rolling here. And dogma was placed on purpose, by the way, to help to so that less intelligent and more apathetic people could still act out the values that. We, they wanted everybody to agree on, but they still kept in the code that the the seekers could could find if they looked hard enough. Just wanted to put that out. We can move on to the next question. I dig it. This is actually a follow up, uh, which I had a thorough rebuttal to. Uh, he's referencing research around being how being religious increases your lifespan. Yada 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 yada. It's not really an argument that I'm willing to. <coughs> I, I, I just haven't. I just. I just don't know, man. I just can't. It's so correlation. I mean, any social study, they're right. not rigorous enough. Yeah, to I mean, testing to, look, when to more have. ice cream is sold, more houses are broken into. Yeah. But it's not because it has nothing to do with the ice cream. It's hotter when more ice cream is sold. People leave their windows open. People get their house broken into. I could never know if what someone... Now, I do think what people believe affects them in ways that they don't necessarily know. Like... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the guy who screams for an hour on his commute in, in, in an act of road rage every day for 20 years is, isn't more likely to get cancer than somebody who has, you know, tried to approach things with a positive attitude. I, I mean, I, I, I believe things like that could be true. So mm -hmm. I, I just but, but we just the, there's no study. We, we're, we have no empirical proof on that. Studying humans is incredibly hard. You're relying on on self-reporting and faulty wiring upstairs with a lot of humans. Our recall is horrible. Humans are just awful. Uh, <laughs> let's move it along. I'm gonna. Yeah, Ethan think... says Ethan says mental health isn't a problem in India. Well, that's because India has maintained its its religious um, practices and, and ritual to the point where. You know the 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 meaning is still instantiated. Once again, I they've they've maintained it through a brutal caste system. I feel like that's worth mentioning. Well, you know, I don't know if we can necessarily <laughs> attribute war only to religious people or, or or death and slaughter to religious people. I mean, we no we gotta... the, the caste system in India is directly that's 
that is religiously instituted. I mean, that if if we're going to talk about, you know, I don't know much about the geopolitics of of India, but I do know that every nation has their own problems and some are worse than others, but they're all there's no shortage of problems. So I'm sure India has problems. No, yeah, like it I I'm just barely familiar with the Indian caste system because I appreciate Indian culture. I love Indian food. But basically, there's a hierarchical structure based on your family lineage or star sign or something where like people at the lower, they're untouchable. You're, they're like gutter people. They're dehumanized. They're not considered real people. Um, and this it, it kind of ties into the whole, you know, left hand, right hand, clean and dirty thing. There's like the dirty people with, within the Indian castes system and this is this is a religiously instituted thing depending on which god they pray for or whatever it's it's actually pretty fucked up yeah Um, i I haven't dug into into hinduism too much just because it's there are two much larger much angrier uh bears on the court of mixed metaphors where are we (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i mean I, I i like hinduism as a religion i don't know much about india i know a lot about hinduism but i don't know a lot about india so i just can't there, there is a lot of de- like devout fundamentalist uh that veer yeah, well, into the anti-science and the cultish and the, yeah it, there's a lot of fundamental yeah, yeah. li- a- like everywhere. people of every institution so yeah i don't hmm. it's kind of the you know I was just getting it. Well, let's just move on. Should we answer Dr. Uh, Dr. Pie's question? I hope I pronounced that right. I hope it's Dr. Pie. I like that name. It, it looks like Dr. Pie. Psychedelic mystical experience. The same sort of experience as religious mystics and prophets experience. I would tend to think that neurologically, neurochemically, yes, there's something yeah. analogous going on there. I, I've never, I don't have any personal experience. Well, I don't have enough experience with psychedelics to offer any insight. I only had one experience and it was horrible. So I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't fuck around with my, <clears throat> my biochemistry like that. Yeah. But I, f- from what I know about the human body and the human mind, I, I would almost guarantee that. Th- yeah. It, cause when you look at these mystics, they put themselves in, into isolation. They go into caves for yeah. years at a time in silence and they fuck with their, they fuck with their brain, you know, when they, yeah. sensory deprivation and all those sorts of things. So yeah, neurologically, there's probably a lot of overlap between what people are calling mystical experiences, what people are calling psychedelics. I, Connor, you'd probably have some, some better insight on, on that one. No, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm inclined to agree. Um, I don't think that necessarily psychedelics mess with your biochemistry in a way that's inherently negative. Um, you know, most psychedelics are just serotonin derivatives and your body pretty much knows exactly how to break them down and remove them pretty fast. Um, and that is interesting about the mystical experience because I've had a mystical experience on psychedelics and it was one of the turning points that brought me away from atheism, even though at the time and still to this day, I understand that my experience was was subjective, but sometimes a subjective. Listen, serotonin is a hell of a drug. Sometimes a subjective experience can be, you know, more real than real. In yeah. in that you think about it more than you think about memories that actually happen to you, uh, because the, because they're so profound. I, I think it's interesting that you know 
they've been able to administer psychedelics to people and they've seen an 80% of, of all the people who have a mystical experience, which I think is like 80% and they can get it to and if as long as the environment is controlled. 80% of that 80% was able to quit smoking forever off of one experience. And that that's that's mind blowing because first the first of all, it's weird that in order for it to work, it has to invoke a mystical experience. That's weird. That means that nature gave us the ability to feel the mystical experience for a really good reason uh, yeah. because I think because it has real world application in the world. Um, the wiring yeah. in our brain developed there for some for some reason. Right, because if you go to ancient cultures, it's harder to find advanced ancient cultures who didn't use psychedelics than it is to find ancient cultures who did. I mean, the only the main one people used to always say was the Egyptians, but they they have now proven that wrong. Egyptians had this uh, flower. I can't remember what it is, but it's a blue flower that's a psychedelic, um, very psychedelic um, uh, compound. Um, also, always say whenever I talk about psychedelics, I have to say this. Uh, Terrence McKenna once said the first place that the first stop in a psychedelic journey takes place at the library. And you should because you should do a lot of research if you're going to put your mind and body on the line like that. And you should do a lot of research to even decide whether or not that's something you want to do, because there are if, if, if you are in a dark place or if you're in a bad environment or something happens to you during the trip that that causes some kind of wave it can the damage can be um you know it can last forever so be very weary when dealing with these amazing yeah. but amazing but but very um potentially dangerous yeah a, not potentially dangerous per se well, but well yeah potentially dangerous substances you're, yeah you are substances you are exiting the driver's seat of your own mind yes, yes. For a bit. So you have to be okay with that. And right. I was not okay with that. The right. one time that I tried mushrooms, I was not okay with taking a passenger seat to my own, to my own mind. Uh, it's extremely uncomfortable for some That's people. Funny. That's funny. They say with LSD, um, with LSD or with, 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 with mushrooms, you're the, you're the passenger seat. And with LSD, you're the car. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard that. But yeah. uh but yeah, it, it going going on a trip, you're very much a passenger and you need to be psychologically yes. ready for that yes. to go outside of your own yes. shit. I'm not ready to fuck with my mind like that. So I I this was like one time when I was like 18 or 19 and it was awful. People yeah. left me alone because you always get together in a big group and like, okay, we're all going to stay together and make sure we don't trip right. the fuck out. And, and then I, I, they left I, me alone. And I hate to hear you use the bad. word. I hate to hear you use the word fuck with my mind because it doesn't, it won't, it only fucks with your mind if there's some abnormality, because for the most right. part, as long as you have. <laughs> it look, opens your mind to be up to being fucked with. <laughs> The chances of you way. having a negative experience, if you have the proper context, are mm. exponentially lower. Like if you do the research and you know what it is you're getting into and you set the proper intention, yeah. exponentially lower. Obviously, I can't recommend that you do that. Um, these substances, once again, potentially dangerous. So yeah, good, moving good, on. Good question. Psychedelics. Uh, I got one loaded. All of you have this one. Oh, Dr. Pi is still on the screen. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I took him off. Yeah, you, oh, you got it. Okay. Yep. Good. Uh, I'll let you take this one. 
From a purely social aspect, it provides a set of norms and creates a set of tribal lines with clearly defined ins and outs with emphasis on forgiveness and acceptance above most immutable characteristics. It doesn't matter what color you are or where you come from, provided the ideology is one that you can follow. Without it, society defaults to their tri tribal groups, often to our chagrin. Tribalism is in, tribalism is ingrained. I don't know that word. Tribalism is in, never heard it. Tribalism is ingrained and about all you can control is where the lines are drawn, not whether they will be or not. There's also the utility of the social norms themselves that are promulgated through religion. Finally, there is the actual going to heaven bit, not going to hell if you prefer. But that's what's beyond the scope of your discussion. Whoa. Yeah, so this is a mouthful. So, and, and you're the reader and writer. So, can you extrapolate a question out of that? Um, See, this is the thing with these highfalutin, like philosophical. Let me try to make, let me try to, for, let me try to read Greg, Dr. or Mr. Greg's mind and see if I will get it through religion. Finally, there is the actual act of going to heaven bit, not going to hell if you prefer. I'm not sure there's a he's, question in there, but it's, but, it, but yeah, I'm basically I'm getting along the lines of it, if it being, if it having utility in terms of social, keeping social function. Um, I definitely think it can. It, I, which I'm willing to grant, um, which again, it, it gets very complicated now in a globalized society where we have several different cultures kind of operating on the same, trying to operate on the same frequency and they're all doing very different things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, I think this is just another, another, uh, a lot of these, some of these weren't questions. No, I like it. I'm glad we read that because I think that's an interesting perspective. I just don't, I just don't uh, see a yeah. question in there, but it's a good, it's a good thought. I, I don't necessarily know if I agree either. I just, I liked, I liked it. I liked reading it. <laughs> Okay, uh, I will get another one loaded up on this side. Maybe check our uh, live comments and see what we got. Well, there's an interesting discussion going on, actually, uh, that I noticed. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a derivative of what we've been talking about. Special Meat says, funny name, by the way. He says, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm totally fine with living my life on the moral axioms of my culture, to which Orthodox Zoomer says, because you already do. And really, in reality, I don't think any of us would you. I think you would agree with that. None of us really have a choice um, to know anything other than the morality that was instantiated in your childhood by your culture. You can deviate that from that when you're older, but you can't know other moral systems unless you go out of your way to research the moral systems of other societies. We're, what I'm trying to say is we're all the product. Our morality is all the product of our environment. Would you agree? Yeah, I think largely, you know, or, or, or our views and our beliefs and everything. We're kind of plastic when we're growing up and those are kind of formalized in our, you know, early twenties ish. Right. And right. More settled. And then, views get more nuanced so yeah i mean i so think we agree. To agree yeah yeah mm -hmm. moving on um do you want to pull up a preloaded question i don't really see a ton why yeah um, a ton of questions in the comments there's a great discussion going on in the comments i just don't see uh any questions uh i i took these screenshots earlier i don't know how many of them actually have question marks 
uh, always considered myself an atheist, but I subscribe now to the reductionist aspects of religion described by Jordan Peterson. So, well, they make sense to me, particularly in teaching ethics, um, story like Cain and Abel has tons of content, meaningful simulations. So, making making a Peterson esque claim or not not claim but um what's what's the word i'm missing my i'm missing my uh my vocabulary postulation um yeah connor uh <laughs> it's okay i didn't know what the word chagrin will you tell me what that word means chagrin oh chagrin i've heard it i've never actually seen chagrin. it written anywhere yeah Distress or embarrassment at having <laughs> failed or been humiliated. Irony. Oh, uh, that's weird. Oh, that is ironic. <laughs> failed and humiliated in my vocab. Uh, and it's it's funny because you're like the vocabulary one who's like a writer, and I'm the stony one who forgets words. Yeah. Well, you obviously you know some shit that I don't. So. Yeah. Well. Uh, so you know, it's, uh, weird. it's weird. Like I, I said a word, like my girlfriend knows words way better than I do. Like you ask her, I mean, she knows French. So she also kind of knows Spanish and all the other love languages too. So she's really good with words. And every once in a while, like, like there's so many words that I'll ask her, what's this mean? And she'll know. But every once in a while I'll give her, I'll say something and she'll be like, I don't know what that word is. And it's an easy word. So it's like, it's really easy for us to just like, you know, live our whole lives without the <laughs> necessary utility of a certain word and all of a sudden it just comes to us so all right but i love it yeah so uh jury 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 i'm not uh, butchering um so yeah i mean certainly in some of the fables some of the allegories there's there's insight to be had there i gotta fall back to my like yeah but my my position i think on this is always going to be yeah but like yeah, it it can be useful, but look at look at all the ways in which religion is being is extremely harmful to the progression of society. If we're just looking at it, at it as a question of what are what are the the barriers to society progressing? Well, you I think know, religion's a lot of things, at like yeah. the top of the list of things standing in our way of moving forward. Real quick, a lot of things are a step. Are, are negative, but also positive, right? So like consumerism, you know, consumerism sure. holds us back. It, it, um, it, it causes plight. It causes pathology. It makes, it, it has a bunch of negative, it creates a subset of a bunch of negative problems, but consumerism also drives innovation and that allows us to create better medicine and cr to create better technology that reduces suffering. So most things are like that. I think most things are, have a good side and a bad side. So, you know, I think it's easy for us, especially if we don't believe in the idea of a God, or we think that the rituals that someone does are silly. It's easy for us to focus on the bad things that Christianity has done, but Christianity has done and continues to do a lot of good things, especially for individuals. I mean, r religion in general tends to be the best medicine for those with addiction besides psychedelics now but for the longest time it was just religious experience um aa mm. does, aa doesn't really work that well uh for most people Church, churches work better a lot better so hmm. interesting interesting uh 
Justin Paul, I think the question misses the point a bit. Um, but what is pretty much indisputable is that humans have deeply rooted drive to be religious. What's happened in the past 250 yes, or so years such a good question. is that it is that the previous drive was fulfilled with organized religions that placed a heavy emphasis on supernatural entities guiding and or controlling us. Without that, and without a religion to take place of that impulse, Absolutely. the results have been pretty dismal. So I think the better question is, how do we satisfy the religious drive? Now, this spawned its own its own thing, and I... I would love to read the comment section of that if there's a comment thread on I'll, that. I'll shoot you the link. I had Thank to you. take it cosmic, <laughs> uh, because that's, you know... That's my default setting. I, I I think that, yes, humans all have a drive. I think calling it a religious drive might be a, a jump. I think, I think the drive that's there, the default drive, is just the drive to explore and to know, to know what's over the next hill, to see the next valley. I mean, valley. have you really had a religious experience? Like, have you, I mean... It's impossible to describe. I've had plenty of religious experiences. If by religious you mean going to church and ex going through the rituals. No, I don't mean I don't, that. I don't. I don't. I mean like a unique sensation that you feel come over you that you can't really explain, and you know that it's you know that if you did try to explain it, you would sound silly because it's so profound. All the time with with music and really cosmology, but it don't. I don't ascribe it to anything supernatural, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the question is wh whether or not we need to fulfill this religious drive. And I think the answer is absolutely yes, because I think it, there's a drive there that we need to fulfill. I don't think it's a religious drive. I just well, think it depends a, on the, your definition of the word religious. You, you can frame it in religious terms. We can call it the apple from the tree of knowledge. But that's what it is. It's an idea. It's it's something that predates all of all of the manifestations in religious texts as the apple. But it's it it's it's a precondition to the human experience. It, it, no, it, I think the I think the religion, before being human. No, I think the, I think the, I think the religious experience predates all of that, and it's it, it's yeah, actually that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's it's oh. Yeah, well, I think I think the religious experience was the natural state for of, at, at a certain in humans at a certain point in our what in, people yeah what we're calling in this kind of what we're calling a religious experience. I uh, what I'm calling that is just a a basic human desire to know and explore the the quest for knowledge, the quest for you know uh, novelty. You know, and, and and so where I would come in and sound like a hippie is I would tell you that when I'm when I meditate or when I pray, um, because I, I and you know, once again, I, I utilitarian, I, I like the I like to be able to have a, a dialogue with you know something outside of me, whether or not it's objectively real or not. So, but let me tell you, when I meditate, I'm not just sitting there, like, yes. I'm sitting in this spot by myself doing nothing and it feels good. I, I do it expecting a sensation and I'm expecting the same sensation that I experience every time. It doesn't vary. It's not like 
one time I meditate and my body gets cold and I feel some tingles. It's like, no, 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 no. Every time I experience these profound things that if I tried to explain it right here to you, it would sound silly. That's the religious experience. You can have that in a church. You can have that mm-hmm. from going to a concert. You can have that from meditating. It's a real thing. And, I, and I'm sure you have actually had a religious experience because have you ever like camped out for a well, few days to go see a, your favorite movie or like gone to a music festival or something like that with a band you really liked? Again, I, I know the experience that people are talking about. I don't know. I don't know why religion gets to own that. I don't say, I don't, I don't think religion does own it. I, I just, well, yeah. it, it depends on your, I don't think institutionalized religion owns it, but I do think that at the core of that experience, you you should call it religious because once again, religion to me is just a perceptual experience. It epistemologically translates to right. respect for the sacred. respect for the sacred. So, and that's what I think you're doing when you're having a religious experience. You're, you're, you're respecting the beauty of the song or the beauty of the art or the story or the philosophy or whatever it may be. So hmm. not trying Dang. to sell. Yet. No, 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 we're good. Uh, oh, okay. We got that one. Uh, I don't have the live comments rolling. Maybe you want to check those while I queue uh, up the last couple. Yeah, I feel like I'm a bit, I feel like I'm blurry. I just got this brand new 1080p webcam. I feel like it's blurry. You you have blurred out a couple times. Yeah. Well, I brought myself up closer now. I must just not have like very good long range or something. I don't know. It's okay. I'll figure it out. I dig it. All right. Oh, this is from Boone Hem. Our, our good mutual friend, Boone. I'm not a Jordan Peterson, bro. Listen, Boone, <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to ask my friends who knew me six years ago when I was literally in their ear annoying the shit out of them, talking about Carl Jung, talking about Sigmund Freud, talking about Nietzsche, talking about um, Hinduism, Buddhism, alchemy, hermeticism, uh, uh, Everything. I was so in, I, I went through a phase where I was so enthralled by new ideas that I was literally annoying the people around me. That's why I came to you guys online because you guys alleviate that for my loved ones, so they don't have to hear it. But <laughs> listen, I, I've been going off about this stuff for since well before the Peterson era was beyond yeah, it, or yeah. up, upon us. And the only difference between me before Peterson and post Peterson, once again, I'll say it one more time is that I no longer look at Christianity as a tool for control. That's the only the only thing he convinced me of was that fact alone. All right. I so. think this may be this may be my fault because I don't know how to describe where you're at uh religiously because yeah. no, I, it's okay. describing you as a believer isn't isn't really accurate so uh, i frame it more as like i'm a neil degrasse tyson type agnostic who's more the sam harris type quasi quote atheist unquote and you're the more like philosophizer type jordan peterson-esque yeah you know i'm not gonna deny that some of my kind of thinker yeah yeah. i'm not gonna i wouldn't deny that some of my ideas can be you can find resemblance in what jordan peterson has to say But, but most of my ideas I came to, but okay, I, I will say this. Jordan Peterson does a really good job reiterating what other people that I like have said. And it's allowed me 
to find more sophisticated ways to present it myself. So I, I will grant that. Um, okay, so, moving on. Yes. So the question is, where in the Bible did Jesus Christ support the slaughter of innocent men, women, and children? Are we reading a different version of the Bible? Um. Oh God, I'm trying to like Jimmy Neutron right here and like go through the database. Um. Can we look up the line? That she's referring to? Can you put the question up one more time? I was, this is actually, I think this is the line I was referring to earlier. It never made sense to me at all. Right wingers and my friends, let's roll all of a sudden pro-war. Um, yeah, well, no, look, the, any idea that the Bible is pro-war is a, is a, is a misunderstanding or, or a projection. Um, sometimes in the Bible, they attempt to be, because some, some, some parts of the Bible are meant to be attempts at a historical record. And so they're, they're mere, and even, and even in the stories, sometimes you, you're just seeing culturally, um, cultural context and observations of the world in that cultural context. But a lot of the times the Bible is attempting to be a historical record. So whenever you see, um, and you know, even, even if it's a lot of, it's a translation thing. Cause I've seen, a lot of like if you, if you give me a King James translation, it'll look weird, and then I'll find like the NIV version, and it's like okay, this one's clearly not as as problematic as the King James version. I think I don't know why that is, but um, I, yeah, can you post a verse? Because King James was a psychopath. Am I? Is the screen not sharing? Oh, it is. You know, the screen is sharing. <laughs> um, so this is the first one that came up as First Samuel fifteen three, um, about going to Amalek and destroying all of the ads. Spare them not, slay both man and woman, infant and suckling. There's another one that talks about sparing the unspoiled virgin girls. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm so that you can, yeah, so that, yeah, so that you can take them as your wives. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's once again, that's another cultural context observation there that, that, that the only reason you, it's like, it's like if you read a story, if, if I was a hundred years in the future and you read a story about someone stopping to take a quick selfie you'd be like what is, what is what is that are they saying that i should take selfies no they're not saying that you should take selfies that's what people did back then so oh. they're putting it in the damn story uh, i i will i will take that argument but i'll take it with a grain of salt because yeah. people live their lives by these books and especially it this is especially problematic in the in the muslim world not i'm not trying to get a bounty on my head here but in terms of in terms of societally culturally enforced biblical law of you know the old ways that's still very much a thing in muslim majority countries here we don't enforce old laws that's largely because of the new testament because the old testament is supposed to forgive the old ways you don't have to follow the old laws that's the whole point of jesus even existing so that we don't have to follow all that old creepy weird shit. But mm -hmm. the problem is that most Christians don't understand that and they still live their lives by these books. They don't know enough about them. Agreed. I, I Agreed. think the biggest problem here is not atheists. It's Christians not understanding their own religion. If I, 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 don't I, think I, it, I don't think it's a competition between who's the bigger problem, atheists and Christians. But yeah, I would agree with you that it's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> that a lot of people go to church every Sunday because, and then, and then j just for the social aspect or just for whatever. Right. And then they hide behind like, 
I'm a Christian as, as the reason why you should trust them because and, and assume that they're moral. So no, I agree. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's the mental gymnastics that explains what the religious percentage like, of like, the, yeah. of the prison population, for example, the people on death row, you look at what percentage of them think they're going to heaven. Right. I mean, it's the same, it's the same kind of phenomenon. I, 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 saw you twinge when I use the term mental gymnastics. But just to get back to, go ahead. Just to get back to Boone's question. What do you think explains it? I think it's, I think, I think the reason that fundamentalist right-wing Christians are so pro world war, God, I'm getting tongue tied now is this kind of sense of the uh, superiority, this kind of, ins- the sense of, holy righteousness and entitlement over the brown countries she went on to she went on this was a a thread i just took the the seat at the top but to talk about like how how can american christians justify you know all all of what are essentially genocides we're committing in other countries and i don't i don't really have an answer other than just like they're ignorant of their own faith Ignorance and arrogance is really is really the only conceivable explanation I have. Yeah, to me, it just um, I don't. It, it's just it's just messy because in the modern world we think of war as a bad thing and that should be avoided. But to the to the more primitive man, you know, I imagine that even the women were in the men's ear saying, "Hey, you know." you better do everything in your, in your damn power to make sure that those tribe across the street doesn't touch my children. So yeah, no, it was ultimately necessary. It, yeah. This goes back to religion being ultimately necessary at one point, just to keep people in fucking line. Right. Um, as a control tool, it, it, it was needed at one point. And you know, my position now is just, we have much better things. I don't think the control aspect I think the dogma was maybe needed for a period of time. I think we could have a an emergence of a, a revitalized doctrine that doesn't necessarily have to be Christian or Judeo or Hellenistic or, or Hindu or Buddhist or whatever, but something akin to that that could be presented without the dogma. I think people are smart enough now. I think we, we're in I, a time... Connor, I think we're literally doing it. it. It's the new enlightenment. It's the new emergence of liberal values and liberal principles. Yes. And I like the enlightenment. I, I, I think it does a lot of great things. I fear that when we start to disregard the idea that an intelligent design was behind the construction of this universe, that it, we run the risk of becoming nihilistic and we run the risk of becoming apathetic and, 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 and not. I, being- I would actually say the exact same ba- thing back to you because part of it, part of the climate denial, let's look specifically at um, right-wing Christian fundamentalists, part of their rationale, their justification for climate denial is that, Oh, it's the almighty God. He controls the earth. We, we couldn't possibly do anything to affect it. That's the justification that they use. It's a shirking of personal responsibility. When you, when you say, Oh no, I'm not, you know, like I'll be judged for my actions, but ultimately 
it's the it's the big guy upstairs it's that shirking of personal responsibility whereas you if you accept the reality for what it is no this wasn't this was this isn't fucking fruity land okay uncle rick didn't make us a little version of fruity land for us to go run around in we this is our own you know our own land to Massa's obscure well, you know, for me to get that to but be, like to be, to- <laughs> come to a place where you feel like let's say you know take god out of the equation let's say you're just forgiving yourself for something you did you did that, well that's really hard to do um it's really hard to do actually but once you do it after you've gone through and endured that feeling that negative feeling of having to you know forgive yourself or or be forgiven by your god for something you did which that's probably even worse because if you conceptualize there's a God and you have to ask him for forgiveness, it's like, man, that's even outside of me. Like now I got to go to this mm-hmm. other guy or this other entity and ask it for forgiveness. And that's going to be even worse on, and, and more humiliating. Mm-hmm. Well, once you go through that, even without, well, a God, listen, well, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, even okay. with, even, sorry, sorry. Even without a God, even if you're just forgiving yourself personally, that's a rough experience and you're going to be less likely to do it again in the future. And, you know, when I was a kid, I, I think I told you this already, but when I was a kid one time, my dad and I were at the movie theater and my a bunch of quarters spewed out when we were playing the video games. And me and my dad were like jumping for joy. Cool. We can play some more video games. Why not? And my dad like did a double take and he looked at me and he said, what you do matters the most when no one is looking. And we returned the money. And I think that idea is akin to the idea of even if no one's looking, you should pretend like they are. Because why not? You'll be a better person because of it. You no, will because, be. because you don't have to pretend because somebody is looking and it's it's the most important person in the universe in terms of being the arbiter of that moral truth. And that's you. You're the most important person, the most important entity in the universe when it comes to the, that value judgment. That's you. The differentiation that's- between you and God is very arbitrary if you're if you're really looking at it conceptually and approaching This it is why I have such a problem with because it feels so self-important. It feels so, oh, humans are the most important thing. I'm like, look at, look at what we that. are. You know, we're, we're insignificant. We're, the, we're tiny. That's it But we're also the first part. We're also the part of the universe that's conscious of itself so that's not nothing. one of them one, one of them, them one of there could one be of, billions hundreds of billions but we, but we don't know that's like assuming there's a multiverse which we already agreed we can't do that because no in this universe alone in terms of the number of habitable worlds and no this i know universe, i know but like trillions if, if trillions but without an intimation of proof it's it's not really like practically ap- applicable to assume. I mean, it's it's like we know that there are habitable worlds, though. We know that there are habitable worlds, and 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 I think that it's likely that we're going to find out there's other life on other planets. But it, but but as far as we're concerned, where's the where's the smoking what, pistol? What right we, now, what we know? know, but think of how arrogant one would have to be to think that oh, just because there's no proof. To to be the only grain of sand on the beach on a beach on Earth. To think it's so self-important, it just seems it's mind-boggle mind-boggling to me. I don't I don't know. We this well, is you know, great. This I is don't think the, I don't think the voice in your head is necessarily you. You know, it might be a facet of you, but 
you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because you can look at the sky, right? And you can see that it's blue. And yet that other little voice always comes in and says the sky is blue, but it didn't need to because you could see that it was blue. And, and, and you can also make that voice say things. And in a way you can like hear it, like not out loud, like through your ears. But if you say something like say the word rock star in your mind, you just did it and you can hear it in your mind. So if you can hear it, why would you assume that that is the absolute end all be all of your being? That's just one aspect. It's mm-hmm. what the Kabbalists called Bina. Bina is the type of consciousness that needs a language to come into fruition. And how does that relate to what we were talking about? It, it does. But um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Uh, me too, man. We got 15 minutes left to our power packed stream hey, let's here. Let's do this. Uh, you checked live comments. I'll pop over and all see right. what we got loaded. I think they're all just rapid fire from here. They're like, uh, all right, let's do some rapid fire. Not even questions. Uh, I believe I lost my religion years ago, but recently, uh, become more aware of what society's lost. And I think that we've kind of, we've been lamenting on that. The, the loss of, of community and trying to find something new, to kind of fill that what feels like the, the hole that you know needs to be filled with within society like we used to be closer but we also used to be isolated you know and culturally we didn't know our our global neighbors across the pond and that's i think what kind of kept things what kept things in check was that there were we were in small enough groups and we were isolated enough to where the common fiction that we all built our lives around didn't come into conflict with any other fictions that any other cultures had built their lives around. I think that ultimately this is just coming down to us being connected for the first time. And this, it just so happens that I have an image of earth up in the background right now that wasn't intentional, but it kind of leads into that, that this is like, this is the reality now is that, this is the problem we have to solve. There are all of these competing ideas and ideologies on the table. They're all competing for the number one spot. They're all fictional. There are real answers on the board. I don't understand why we need to place the real answers within some kind of pseudo religious doctrine to teach people how to be good people when it, it, I don't Fiction, know. If, fictional it, doesn't if, mean not true. Fictional doesn't mean not true is what I Well, mean. okay. Okay, I'll grant it. It also doesn't mean the not one, the, the ones on the table, let's say, for religious teachings on, on the origin of the earth or the universe. It's, let's not, let's say Whoa! false. Let's get the, I mean, we're, <laughs> what fast are we talking? Are we talking the sequence? Because the sequence is pretty spot on. Because I think it would have been easy for our ancient ancestors to assume. Wow. Let me just finish. I, I, assume, it, I Yeah, the earth came first and then we came after it. The well, it's not, just, it's not that. just that. It's, it's first there was nothing. Then there was the heavens. Then there, yeah. was the, then there was the earth. Then there was the water. Then there was the animals. And then there was people. That's science to a T. And that's exactly what the Bible says. And, and, it's, and it's weird because I think that like if I was born in this world and there was and I was the only man on earth, I might just assume that what is always was. I don't know why I would ever go out of my way to assume that it was ever created. Like, especially if I didn't have any context or anything like that. It just seems well, weird. I mean, it, it, it seems they, like they, 
yeah. original human drive of wanting to, where did I come from? I mean, everybody wants to know where did we come from? Are we alone? I mean, those are the, like the, the biggest questions in human history. So but why assume that it I, don't, I don't think that that question never would have arisen had there not been a creation myth invented to get people to ask the question. Well, I think a creation myth is inevi an inevitable aspect of yeah. that question, but yeah, it's, it's, Sure, but how? Again, I the I default back to like, well, how useful are the creation myths when we actually we have a real creation story that we don't have all the details to, but we have because of the mathematical nature of the universe. I mean, have, how useful is Romeo and Juliet? Like that 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 book that story is an, is really useful. It is, like it, it is extremely useful as art and literature and it's, philosophy. I mean, the idea philosophy, that, it's not useful as a mathematics textbook or a biology textbook. And the Bible never claims to be. Although a it lot does of, a lot of fundamentalists will say that well, that's their science textbook point and, blank. And that's fine. I, I think it's their, it's their, it's their, you know, for lack of a better word, it's their God-given right to believe that if they to want. Well, it, it's not their God-given right to impose it on public schools. Which I agree. Is, which is I an agree. area of, would, of discourse would, in the U.S. Would, where this is an issue. And I would create legislation um, against that if I could. So. Yeah, our, our founding fathers already did 200 plus years ago. It doesn't seem to matter. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning round. Uh, I have not checked the comment section. This is out of control. I love it. Uh, E. We're on E. Where's F? Oh, I pulled up F already. I, I, I did not. Uh, I just gave them uh letter designations. I didn't. I don't know whose this is or what it is. Interesting thoughts. Uh, maybe an atheist closet one, but the values, relationships, family, and friends remains the same despite the bloodlines being against it. So I, I, I think a lot of people are going to resonate with this of, about being culturally religious, maintaining their, their culturally religious, you know, in terms of participating in the rituals and for the, for the sake of their family, but in terms of their own personal beliefs, not adhering to the faith, I, I would go so far as to say that this is representative of most non-believers they actually still are culturally religious just because it's, it's such the norm. So I feel like it's good to have, you know, see that represented. I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. Definitely. Mary, don't corrupt your soul by not speaking what's on your mind. If you have ideas that you're compelled to say, but you choose not to say, I think you're, you're repressing and that could lead to pathology. Um, if, 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 if you hear your family having a discussion about religion and you maybe have something you disagree with, I say you be you and, you know, there's going to be controversy. There's going to be pushback. There's going to be contempt. But at the end of the day, holding on to your ideas and not telling others so that you could be opened up to feedback from those people is, 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 a, is a great way to be stagnant. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not trying to tell you how to be or anything. That's just what I would, what I would say. No, it's great. It's great. I dig it. We got to wrap it up here. I think we got one or two more. Uh, this is great from Chad Simmons. Start at the base. If starting from scratch, what code of ethics would you build for a society? This Connor, I'm afraid is like a two hour long episode. This might be a, a good, uh, a good kickoff 
to Candle in the Dark because guys, yeah, we should uh, we should we should do we, that for our next episode. We very briefly uh, mentioned it at the top, but Connor and I have been talking for a long time, mostly off air, just about collaborating and talking about these things, kind of like on a show. Um, so we're doing that in a live format this time, but this is being expanded into an entire podcast, audio only podcast series, which we're calling Candle in the Dark. I have my little candle over here. He has his little candle over there. And we're going to try to unpack some of this shit. Yes. Metaphorical, uh, just like the Bible. Yeah. It, and it's it's kind of a trite metaphor, too. And <laughs> I'm kind of okay with it. Okay. I'm I'm, okay. I'm 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 kind of okay with it. So Brief, should we briefly? Yeah, you know what I would say is um I'm I'm gonna make a note here for Chaz. This is it's should we a great one. It's briefly be, touch on it, or should we just wait? Let's I mean, for you know, because really, my answer I, to this is actually pretty short because I me mean, too. the founding fathers had it right. It's liberal values. It's it's liberalism. Liberalism is the answer to building a new society. Classical with, liberalism. Cl yes, with an emphasis on human well-being. Uh, honestly, honestly, my answer, my answer to this, if I had to start from scratch, and I had to build a code of ethics to build a society. I'm going to put this on the screen right now. If it was given, go ahead. Here's my fucking answer. Yang2020.com. Oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, <laughs> you found a way no. to sneak your Yang plug in there. Nice. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I do to build a society. But we, I, I think that's a, a good uh, candle in the dark session. Are we? Is this hypothetical question? I mean, is it is it based on the idea that only I can be in charge of it? Only like the job is given to me. I think for the sake of the thought experiment, yeah. I would give I would give it away to somebody else. I would. I think I would oh. be ar arrogant to think that I, as one man, a tw let alone a twenty six year old man, could ever know the the variables in the complex fabric of society well enough or intimately enough to think that i could ever postulate the perfect set of moral values and i wouldn't want to have the blood on my hands when i pose one wrong idea that creates a huge subset of problems and then it's all on me i would give it away to somebody else yeah 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 i i made a note earlier about um the in the whole forgiveness framework the doctrine of asking for forgiveness and everything and i i can i could not let that slip by without the death row example of yes but the doctrine teaches that no matter what you do as long as you ask for forgiveness you'll be forgiven so hitler's in heaven and along with everybody who's every you know baby rapist throughout history who said he loved jesus so that, yeah, but that, what if what if you lived this horrible life and then you got up there and it was just like you met your maker, like it was a rude awakening, and they were like, and then and then and then, and then or maybe when you get there, you're because you're not held down by the impulses of the body, you instantly realize you're like, oh my god, what have I done? I was supposed to do some kind of work that human beings are supposed to do, and I failed. Instead, I deviated from that path and I did horrible things, and now I realize mm -hmm. the error of my ways instantly. That's also possible. Mm. Just saying, just postulating. Yeah. For fun. <laughs> uh, I think we only have one more. Uh, it's perfect timing. Wow, we went exactly yeah. three hours. Yeah, oh. that was great. It Impressive. this might be the same one. I think that might have actually been it. Oh, yeah, that was that was it. So, Chaz, Ethan, you would be the last person I would give it to. Just kidding, buddy. I I'm just joking. 
There is kind still of. a rolling comment section going live, and it has been nuts. I have not. I've been like, I've been like peeking here and there, but yeah. yeah. I apologize, guys, but thank you so much for uh, tuning in and sticking with us. Should we should we uh, scroll through one last time, see if we have any last minute uh, thoughts, if any parting thoughts, guys? What what did you think of our uh, our event? <laughs> Ethan wants to know what I give it to him. Uh, honestly, man, I'm sorry. I would give it to like my my dad or something. <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 give what? The ability, the choice of of somebody. Oh, to... oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. It's right been a long night. All right, guys. So uh, he said, "Ha." He said, "All right, guys. So how do we do?" I know I'm in the room with a lot of atheists in the chat. So bring it at me. Hit me with it. I'm ready. Yeah, live, live feedback. The show's officially over. We're we're into hmm. the after show. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? I dig it. I got through everything I wanted to get through, I think. But again, like we've barely scratched the surface. Right, on right. A lot of this shit. Yep. No, oh, he said it's basically 50 50. Yeah, that just proves that I haven't really been able to look at the comments as much as I wish I could have. Yes. Thanks, special meat. <laughs> I used to be a Norse pagan. Wow. That's, you I know. Dime a dozen, you know. Uh, hey, the the Norse. Don't forget about the Norse pagans, bro. They're uh, they're out there. Yeah, it's 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 Friday. <laughs> it's Freya's day. Yesterday was Thor's day. <laughs> um, can I plug something real quick? Yeah, like last last little bits all plugs. Me so. and Jonathan Woodroffe, who is another atheist. I know Jenner is not actually an atheist, but yeah. Jonathan Woodroffe, who is an actual atheist, is coming on my show to do a discussion not on religion but on morality. Not this next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. This next Sunday, I'm actually doing a podcast with Sidney Horton. We're going to juxtapose Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, and Hellenismos, and then a lot of religious stuff lately. The last Sunday of this month, I'm also doing a podcast with a, with a Jewish rabbi and we're going to talk about Kabbalah. I dig it, man. So looking, I'm also, you know, we're, I'm, my book is almost done. I'm almost, I'm working on a book. It's called the structure of being. It's a fiction book and it should be, uh, I'm hoping that it'll be out in 2020, but it probably won't be until the next year. <laughs> I know this. So Thanks, Ethan. Hey, thanks, Ethan. Ethan's a good guy. You know, he is a good guy. Appreciate it. Although uh, I'm pretty sure... No, never mind. I, I'll save that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll ask you on Messenger, Ethan. Uh, no real plugs for me. Season two of the show's uh, kicking off, I think, February 2nd. Uh, 2020, we're going to kick it off with Humanity First Season 2, which is our, uh, we're covering, uh, little bits of the Yang campaign, but mostly we're just talking to people in the Yang gang, um, and getting their human stories. So that's going to kick off in February. And then the Outrage Machine is kicking off in February as well. I'm actually talking to Colin Wright tomorrow, if you're familiar, at Swipe Right WR. IGHT on Twitter. Uh, he's an evolutionary biologist and he's coming on the show. We're going to talk about trans issues uh, and it's 
Yang is a dork, and that's why I <laughs> like him. He is, he is a dork. Um, um, yeah, so that that's really it for me for my products my production schedule. I, I do have one more live show on Sunday. It's yep. a Yang party hangout thing. Yang. Uh, you gotta Yang. let me, you gotta let me infiltrate one of those one time and just come in there and just, just be a bombshell like a wrecking ball. Yeah. Well, I was supposed to have James Janko on the show at some point, but then he'll uh, come on. He, he'll I know, I know he will. He, he's on my, he's on my short list, man. But like when the show dissolved and like my James is a great pride and all that, he seems like a really good guy. Yeah. He's a good uh, uh, Oh, Oh no. I mean, I don't listen, listen, look, burn it to the ground. 2020 bringing, bringing, Taking the feds out of education was good. Absolving the debt for disabled veterans was good. Uh, the economy is doing really good. I can't say I love what's happening right now with foreign affairs, <laughs> which is a pretty big deal. But, you know, uh, un- whatever. So um, uh, if you want to come on my podcast, you can email me at dirtingconnor at gmail.com. Or if you want to check out any of my other stuff, my blogs or whatever, you can go to www.connordirting.com. There it is. If you want to email me, it's just last name, first name at gmail.com. And uh, I'm getting everything uh, squared away with my website, mymoob.media. Super easy peasy. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. All that stupid shit. If you liked this and you would like more video events to happen, I actually, the reason for this event is I'm not paying for the service anymore because it costs like 25 bucks a month and it's a lot. I'm poor. So if you would like more of these video events, support me on Patreon or support because we share the channel. So, you know, I, I wasn't even going to make a Patreon. Yeah. Be, yeah. But I, I ended up making, I do have a Patreon. I made one. Um, yeah. There's a few, there's a few exclusive things. Like I put a little extension. I, I had a Kira the Dawn on my show and I, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a clip of like a 10 minute clip on there that I didn't post on YouTube. That's on my Patreon. So if you become a patron, you'll get access to that. And I'll, I'll be doing some stuff soon for that as well. I dig it. I dig it. Well, I, I'm going to call it a success. What do you think? I think that was a great success, man. That was a good conversation. I feel, you know, I always walk away from these conversations feeling stimulated. And, um, and uh, you know, for me, I mean, it, just me having this conversation with you, Jenner, is kind of like a religious experience. I mean, it's it's definitely profound to sit down with somebody who is in complete opposition with you on a topic and st- unpack it, you know, little by little, like you're like you're chipping away at ice. I mean, it's it's and then it's stimulating. You get that connection, that communal connection, and it's it's ritualistic for me because we take time out of our day to sit here for an hour or cu- or three hours. Yeah, three. With, yeah. with our with our little microphones and our little lights and and our and our cameras and stuff like that, and it's 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 a ritual. So I I appreciate it. I like being a part of it with you, man. I fucking love it, and thank you so much for making the time. This was a good this was a good use of my evening and a good use of this service, which will hopefully come back someday soon, so we can do more of these. Uh, I like having the live people in the chat and being able to pull them up on screen that's me too that is really cool maybe um hey what if i just go halves with you on on this on this service we can keep it ask me again in like a month or two i'm okay i'm I'm making a goal i'm making a goal i gotta get five patrons zoom is 18 bucks a month so if we both just did uh half of 25 i'd actually save money Hmm. so i will i will 
I will think about that and get back to you. Okay. Anyway, I have been uh where is it? I've been Jenner Zeno from Mindwave. And I've been Connor Durding from the Daily Discussion, where even the best ideas are challenged. Thank you guys for watching. Uh this was great, great fun. And uh we will see you on the next one. <laughs>